All right, and we are good to go. What's going on, everyone? Coach Damien here, The Shift Method, coming to y'all with another podcast. And with me today, I know, I know, it's getting old. Damien, you said it last time. You said it on every other podcast. It's a special guest. This is a truly special guest, man. This is, I would go as far as to say, my best friend, one of my closest mentors, amazing guy, known him for several years, been to his wedding, We've done a lot of great things together in campus rec and training. Just an all-around great guy, and that is DJ Scott. DJ, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Man, that is an intro right there. I'm honored. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My name is DJ Scott. Currently, I am the fitness and wellness coordinator here at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, Father, husband, and I also do a little bit of social media stuff right now, too. And so we're just kind of just enjoying everything that we're doing. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Now, up in North Carolina right now, DJ, you know, it's April 1st when we're recording this. How's the weather up there right now? Is it still like on and off? Is it getting hot yet? Because I know North Carolina can be a little crazy. Dude, it's weird. So you like we both lived in Florida for the majority of our mm-hmm. lives and we already knew how weather can change. Like it can be sunny and raining in the same day. Sometimes yep. it can be raining in the front yard, not the backyard. It's common, right? Mm hmm. Carolina will go from like 30 degrees one day and then 80 degrees the next day. That's like, disgusting. Ago, <laughs> it was beautiful weather, like clear skies. I was talking on the phone with my dad and I was like, it's amazing right now. And then today it's so cold outside. I had to wear a hoodie Jeez. on. It's going to be enough for me to go to walk back to my car. In. See, yeah. it's, re- it's really funny because, you know, I went to Indiana for grad school for a couple of years exactly. and I, you know, have things that I no longer need, like, extremely large jackets and you know ice scrapers for your car i'm a very neat person for those who know me i don't like to keep a lot of extra stuff i still got a box in here i got to send you that has gloves and an ice scraper on your car just next one because i'm never gonna i hope i hope i never have to use that stupid thing again god yeah i've had the i so i don't have i just recently got an ice scraper for the car haven't had to use it yet but there were several times where i needed one and had to use credit cards um a cd case works really well i don't know if people even have those before but my wife does in her car and that worked amazing uh, just whatever i can find to scrape that crap off the windows man i don't know see that goes to just ingenuity man and when we go through this conversation people you'll realize that this man can think very quickly on his feet i don't know if the midwesterners are going to make fun of us saying what the heck are you doing scraping your car like that but you know what yep. i think it's creative so that's all that matters <laughs> Yeah, anybody from up north already thinks I'm just the dumbest person ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there might be things to said for we're living down in or we were living down in Florida. So, you know, I'll take that yeah. over living up there. But that's all I'm saying. No shots to my people living up north. Up north is wonderful for certain things. But I'll yes, leave it at we that. still love you. Exactly. So a couple of things that DJ and I are going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about campus recreation because that's an area where we not necessarily got started, but it's a very large portion of our fitness career. And it's kind of where we both have ended up today and where we probably will stay for a decent amount of time. And I don't think a lot of people know about that as a background for fitness and how it can project you into a career. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about boot camp style for training, because uh, that's a format that DJ and I know quite a lot about and that we've actually mentored and taught for a very long time. And lastly, going to talk about mentorship in general towards the end, both for personal training and group fitness, because those are people we've overseen. So first, DJ, kind of to go into, you know, the overall 
campus rec side of things. Can you kind of give people just a little bit of insight into your background, how you got into fitness? Yeah. So I would say primarily for me, um, it probably started when I was really young and a non-conventional sense. So my dad grew up in construction, my whole, not my whole family, but the majority of my dad's side of the family does something or knows a lot about construction. And so um, I got brought into that life very early. However, my dad didn't want me to stay there, make that very clear, because he'll probably kill me if he hears me say that. But um, <laughs> he did not want me to stay there, but I still worked with him a lot. And so I got to really be active um, when we were starting to see the transition from kids playing outside a lot less. Um, I was still getting woken up in the morning and going to work with my dad in the summers. So it was a little bit different for me in that aspect. What really turned it on for me was going to football. And very long story short, as I was getting into it, we all know how coaches can be, especially if they're not like the best coaches in the strength conditioning side of things. All they ever want to do is just make you throw up. That's like, yep. that's their end goal. And I finally got a group of us were taken to a small little camp where some people who actually knew what they were doing got to train us. And it just blew my mind. It was some of the smallest little technique things, not even directly related to football, right. um, but then was somehow connected to football and how I played. And I saw an immediate difference in some of these small little things. And so I realized it isn't always about making somebody fail a lift or run until they throw up. There's a lot more to fitness. And I knew from that point, I wanted to be in fitness in some shape or form. Um, from there, getting into campus rec eventually it took a little bit longer for me to get there but I eventually did get there and I realized after working there for a while that being in an area where I can learn how to personal train and mentor other trainers because that first that first entrance into a gym for a lot of people that first interaction with a lot of personal trainers can be so impactful for them yes and if it's not the right trainer sometimes it can just ruin their whole experience yes and now they think that the gym just sucks or personal training. They sucks associate or, that person or that interaction with all of fitness, right? Because it's yeah. the only, it's the closest tangible thing they know. Exactly. It's like when you try one bad thing from a restaurant, you're like, oh, that restaurant's, that restaurant's trash. <laughs> Absolutely trash. Don't go there ever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I noticed that pretty early. And I would say I really got to experience that from a client that I had who did not give up and gave training one more chance. And that was me. And she told me that way after we started training. And she said, if it wouldn't have been for the way I trained and explained things to her, she would have been that client. Yeah. And I was just like, like, wow, this can be something that really helps a lot of people. And like we already both know, especially for any listeners who've listened to this podcast at this point, um, exercise is medicine. Like there's so much that we aren't doing. And it sounds kind of corny. It sounds kind of fake. But at the end of the day, if we move more, a lot of the things that that we're seeing in our society starts to go away. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it, I, I agree. It does sound corny. It's like, well, yeah, everyone knows workout, eat better, you know, good for you. But it is true. Like the data is in, man, like you yeah. participate in these minimum guidelines. We've talked about it a million times on podcasts, on posts. You hit those numbers. You know, whether your goal is weight loss, weight gain, just getting more active, getting more confident in the gym, your life is going to be better across almost every dimension imaginable. And then ones that you can yeah. even think of. So awesome. Thank you for kind of sharing that background, man. 
I remember and correct me if I'm wrong. I remember you talking about your dad. He's a, he's a tough guy to say the least, right? Construction background, lots of brothers and sisters. I think I remember you telling me a story of you were sleeping in one summer day and he's like, I'll be damned if I have some lazy ass kids sleeping in on the summer. And he like lifted up the bed to get y'all up. So that's kind of the the mentality you grew up with, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so very tough, no sisters, all brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't curse at all. So it, it does shock some people when it's like, I added the word, my bad. Yeah, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't curse at all. So it does surprise some people with how like he conveys that, that the spirit of just being kind of just all over you without really saying any curse mm-hmm. words. But yes, that did happen. Me and my cousins were sleeping in a blow up bed. I didn't have a map in my room at the time and it was a summer and it didn't matter if it was just me or whoever else was there it could have been my best friend at the time you could be there with us <laughs> doesn't matter he flipped up the bed we flew off the bed it's like five o'clock in the morning he's like y'all gotta go run and so we have to go run laps around the cul-de-sac he drove to work came back made sure we were still doing some stuff and then we had to go to work with him that's just how it went man man <laughs> yeah definitely a crazy experience to do as a kid but it does shape your character in some ways i I can imagine for sure oh yeah for sure and then completely different the whole coaching side of things you're 100 right it's a good coach versus a bad coach just like a good trainer versus a bad trainer can really shape an athlete can shape a person for the rest of their life really and yeah you got the coaching it's like my objective is for you to vomit if you aren't injured or vomiting, then you're not trying. Uh, and if you're not trying, then you don't want it. Right. That's like the cycle of mentality that it is for a lot of coaches mm-hmm. when I'm very glad now that, especially in our field, it seems like it's getting a lot of attention, a lot of science based, you know, backing and support is coming behind coaching, especially mm-hmm. in the strength and conditioning realm where it's like, yes, you got to push athletes, but it's like, the goal isn't like, you know, if you want someone to throw up, just make them do burpees for, 10 minutes like anyone will throw up you can any person without any education can make anyone throw up that's easy i try and tell people that all the time it is not hard to make a workout where somebody's going to feel gas at the end of the day not at all thing ever like anybody like you're saying can do that and just to kind of throw like a a real dumb story in for one of my personal experiences from coaching um one of my coaches in high school it was the, the dumbest thing. I remember it to this day. He, they had us doing like we were sitting on the grass um, with our legs straight out in front of us. And we were supposed to be doing like like hands from cheek to butt, basically, right, right. Right? like practicing running. And we're all getting it. So like he's telling us, go faster you can, faster you can. And one player starts to like, as he's doing this, he's starting to like go around. Like he's starting to like turn almost. Right. And he was like, that's right. That's what I want to see. He's getting it. And so we're all like, oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. So we just start like making ourselves <laughs> rotate. Now I look back at that and I'm like, well, obviously he had an imbalance. One side of his, one side was stronger than the other. And so he was just starting to rotate as he's doing this. Yeah. It wasn't a good thing, but obviously like dumb coaching, instead of saying like, no kid, you're not doing that right. He praised him just because he started to like make circles on the ground. It, <laughs> You don't have to be Nonsensical. smart to make somebody throw up. No, people do it to themselves every day, or I should say every New Year's resolution or probably has done something similar, right? It's like anyone can go to the gym and kill themselves for a couple of weeks and then feel horrible about themselves. It's like, why am I tired? Why am I sore? You don't even work out. And then it just builds this repetitive cycle of like, 
oh, then I guess I won't go to the gym because it's not for me and it's too hard. So yeah, definitely having a good coach and a good foundation and like, you know, practical application when you're programming and when you're like working with particular populations is going to be much, much more helpful than just like, eh, go run until you can't feel your feet. (laughs) Happened way too often, man. (laughs) Yeah. Now, so a little bit of fitness background, you mentioned campus rec. Now, is campus rec where you first started getting into the personal training group fitness side of things, or did you have prior experience before that? I had a couple small experiences before that. Um, in high school, I was training two different people, not for money, just because like there were two people that really wanted some help, and they saw that I was making some gains in the in the gym, and I was easy, I guess, to talk to at that time, and. I had a little set in my garage that my dad had bought for us. Oh, nice. So I trained people in my garage. So I was actually training this one guy that I went to high school with who was a little bit younger than me. And he was coming to work out and he was putting in a lot of effort and he actually did get really strong from it. And there was another girl that I worked with. Uh, I used to work in a grocery store and I was writing programming for her. Um, so that was my first little experience. And I don't, I don't even want to talk about it too much because it was really bad. Like some of the stuff I was doing, I would never do with the client ever again, but it was the learning curve, right? Like I had to, I of had course. to get, <laughs> you got to learn, you got to learn from those first couple of clients, man. It's never, it's never perfect. It's still not perfect, but you know, back then it's trial and error. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but no, hopefully I can it <laughs> it's funny. I had my conversation with my professors. We were uh, last podcast and we were talking about how, it's crazy how you can just take a test and then you can basically, if you pass it, you don't need any practical experience how you can just start writing programs for people. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it's a whole different conversation, like licensure versus, you know, maybe more requirements for making people, but then there's more entries to, or barriers to entry. So that's a whole different topic, but it is crazy though, how, you know, I was in the same thing. I was in high school and like my first, I guess you can say trainer experience was I was the captain of my ROTC or JROTC physical fitness team. Um, we would compete against various schools in the county in various competitions like 5K run, litter carry, uh, PT test, push-up, sit-ups, one-mile run, and a bunch of other stuff. And my job was writing the program and instructing them. Uh, we had like an old school like army field manual, like here's the, per- the push-up, here's the pull-up. And I was like, that was like my... <laughs> That was my book. That was my personal training book. But outside of that and YouTube, man, that was my experience until I got into college. Yeah. And we both know how, how poorly all of our armed forces were trained for a long time. Like Mm -hmm. when it comes to that aspect of it, it's just, it it wasn't good. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. The the field manual. I remember, I mean, I was in high school from uh, 2010 to 2014 I was looking at this manual. I'm like, this thing looks like it's from the dang seventies or eighties, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably was like, it probably still probably was for a while. Probably was for sure, man. Now, so you're in campus rec and this is at Florida Atlantic. You originally started at Florida Atlantic university, right? You didn't transfer. Yes, sir. Started there. Started there. And then was it your freshman year when you started getting into campus rec or did it take some time? Mm-hmm. So I got in at the end of my freshman year. So um, my freshman year summer, that's when I got in. I was still working at Winn-Dixie, or I transferred to another Winn-Dixie at that time that was close to us, the grocery store that I mentioned. And, and 
um, I did that for my first two semesters in college. And then after that, I went directly into campus rec, which is a little bit of a funny story how that all happened. But yeah. <laughs> very, very nice. And then did you start off as a, I don't even remember what they were called at the time. Was it called operation staff or was it called fitness consultant? What was the term? We called then? them fitness center staff. Fitness center staff. That's where you started, right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the humble beginnings, the blue shirt. Yeah, man. It, <laughs> so you get in there. You yeah, get in there at the blue shirt, and then where do you where do you go from there to kind of get to the personal trainer aspect? So first, I was I was a little bit. Can you hear me? Now you're good. Yep. Okay. okay. Oh, I'm like we're getting a little bit of Wi-Fi issues again. Let's hope this doesn't cut out. Okay. There we you. go. Now you're back. All right, I think we're good. Internet yeah. connection got a little bit funny. It's saying something about your network. But I think you're clear now. Am I clear on your end? Yeah, I mean, I can see. Awesome. Perfect. Sorry about that, bud. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all I said was personal training was that next step. Gotcha. And so now you got your certification was through ACE, if I remember correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then you made the jump to, was it group fitness, then fitness manager, or how'd you kind of get into that fitness manager role there? Okay. Okay. So there is a little bit more to talk about, I guess. Um, so my first certification was through IHP. You remember IHP, right? Mm-hmm. Juan Carlos Santana. Of course. Carlos Santana. Exactly. Um, I got my first functional training certification junior and whatever the next level was from him. Then I got into personal training and that was the only certification I had at the time. Um, Cause luckily they, we didn't have to have like a overly accredited certification to start for our first semester, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I got mine in, in my first semester of training. Then, and that was ACE. Then from there, fitness manager happened. And immediately as it happened, group fitness happened as well, because Lindsay said, I can't have somebody at fitness manager who only does one. You have to do both. Lindsay marketed put, heavy, man. You got to be in group fitness. <laughs> yeah. And she just put me in, she just put me in a class. She's like, this is your class to teach. Like there was no questions about it. There, like she put me in a class and it was boot camp. And I was just like, I gotta do this. So that's yeah. where you started. Okay. Very, very cool. Yeah. Man. So fitness manager and group fitness kind of happened around the same time. Very, very cool. And then now I remember getting into campus rec. I'll never forget. I was just I was, when was it? It was August. So it was my, the start of my sophomore year. So I already had a year under my belt. And I think you were, you're a year older than me and you're a, you're a semester, a year ahead of me or semester ahead of me. So you were a little ahead of me in terms of schoolwork, if I remember correctly. And so I remember I'm leaving the rec just like one day at the beginning of the semester. And I see this little sign up front. It's like, Hey, you know, do you want to work here at the rec? And I was like, Oh, that sounds like an awesome job. I know I had just gotten my certification through NASM. Cause I knew you were I wanted... working at the restaurant, right? Yes, I was that yes, whole, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing, man. So I'm working at the restaurant. The job was weird. Cause it was like closed down. They were remodeling and there was like no communication when it's opening back up. So I'm like, I would like a job. I'm an exercise science. I got my certification. I want to start doing personal training. How cool would it be to do it at this wonderful rec center we have? And I see this orientation uh, day for the uh, fitness floor staff position. I'm like, oh, there's an entry point. I'm like, when is it? 
look at the thing. It is happening that day. And I was like, oh crap. And it's like in a couple hours. I'm like, I need to go to that. Yeah. Go to that. I don't remember if you were there. You might've been there that day, given like the presentation. Um, but I know you were in for my interview. That oh, part yeah. I do remember. Oh yeah. I That's remember what, that very clearly. <laughs> that whole thing. I'll never forget. Like I was with, it was a group interview. It was you, Diana, I think. Uh-huh. And then I want to say, I don't remember if Lindsay was in or Dana was in. Dana. Dana was in. And then a couple other people. And it was me and I want to say three or four other people group interview. Mm-hmm. And everyone in there, aside, I, can, I can be this way if need be. My leadership style is like, hey, let's collaborate. Let's pick the best ideas and then let's delegate and I'll kind of oversight. And then I'll step in if I need to. Yeah. And I'll never forget. Everyone was very alpha in that interview. They're like, I'm going to tell you why I'm the best. Here's why I'm the best. And I remember the last thing was a skit. We had to all collectively work together and do a skit of like, hey, you're a campus wreck and this happens. I want you guys to collaborate together. You have 60 seconds to figure it out and do this skit. And so you guys start the timer. And I'm just, first thing I do is I observe and I watch. And everyone's just trying to take charge. It's like, here's what we're doing. The other person's like, no, here's what we're doing. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, this is, this is not going to go well. We're all going to be arguing for a minute. And then someone said like, you guys have 10 seconds left. We hadn't decided anything. And I just stopped and I'm like, listen, you're doing this. You're doing this. You're doing this. Got it. Cool. Let's go. And then the time's up and then we did the thing. And I was like, God, I hope that interview went well. And I'm like, I don't think I saw any of those people after that, but <laughs> I got the job. So I was like, well, I think I made hopefully a decent impression because that was a man, that was a shit show to say the least. <laughs> so I remember that one real clearly. Like that was one of that was when I was really getting into interviews and starting to get a little bit better at asking questions, right? Mm-hmm. And so this group comes in, just like you said. And it was not the greatest group, to be honest. Mm-mm. But I will never forget after the interview, because this was for the fitness center staff. This wasn't for personal training. Mm-hmm. After the interview, I went up to Dan and I was like, the Damien kid, I, I want him in personal training. Like, I, I'll help him out as much as we need to. I know this wasn't a personal training interview, but I think he should be a personal trainer. Like, like honestly, talking more than I should have because I had no right to even come up <laughs> with those things. But I was like, I really want this kid. I, I think he's going to be great with us. He fits the program. And when you were coming in, it was starting to go on the way up. Mm-hmm. Me and Paul first became personal trainers. It was us and three other trainers at the time. So it was not a lot of people. Oh, man. And we had a wait list for clients and everything. And we were also like trying to, some people were graduating. Some people just didn't fit with the changes that we were making. So we were trying to work with really two or three people at the time. Yeah. And so we were really trying to like make it something new. And I was like, Dana, we need this guy. Like we really need him on the team. And I yeah. was so happy when you got hired because I knew it was like, he's going to be a personal trainer. <laughs> and then I remember and we did the prep course and everything. I oh, appreciate that, man. I had good, I had good mentorship and <laughs> I went through the prep course, which was extremely helpful because even though I was certified, I had other than like training friends and like writing programs for like, you know, other people, like I had zero practical experience. Like I'd never done an assessment on anyone. I'd never held a caliper. Like I'd never done any of that stuff. So the ACE prep course was cool. Cause it's like one, it was cool. Cause I got to see a different cert. So it was just cool to get like different perspective. Cause my cert was NASM and then we did ACE, but then also like, Oh, I get to work with other trainers. I get to get mentored by a couple of pro staff and then some fitness managers. And then also just like 
try out my practical skills, man. So the prep course was really, really cool. And then, you know, the rest is history, group fitness, got to be fitness manager with you. That was fun as hell, dude. That <laughs> was a really, what was it? It was almost a year. It was, I started August of 2017 and it was until yeah. we both graduated in 2018. That was a good time. Yeah, that was a really fun time. Really fun time. That that was probably a. I wish I had more time to enjoy it. Honestly, I was yeah. doing so. Much you were doing so much, dude. Yeah, I was doing way too much about the end of the semester to gain experience and also just to try and test things out. So I don't regret those things for the most mm-hmm. part. But I do wish I had more time to really like be there and kind of learn and grow with you a little bit more. You had the internship. You had just gotten a dog. You were getting married um yeah and then just like a lot of life changes like looking for ga like that was the whole thing in of itself like yes i'm graduating but like it's not just like oh i'm graduating and it's over it's like i'm like looking for the next phase of my life that's coming up now so it's very very stressful on top of juggling all your other responsibilities (laughs) and you were doing a minor and you were doing the entrepreneurship minor like i was so yeah that was was a lot man it it was all there and surprisingly i came out okay you did (laughs) You definitely, you definitely did. If you had to think about one thing, all right, not one thing, I guess you say, like, what was your favorite part about working in Campus Rec and then also being a fitness manager specifically? Okay. Yeah, Campus Rec, for me and for so many other people, I've heard them say it, so it's probably going to sound dumb at this point, but it rings true to me so much. Um the community that was there with Campus Rec, like, the, I, I still talk to a lot of those people today. Yep. Um, I still see... Exhibit A, people. right here. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like, we met through Campus Rec, and I've been close ever since. Yeah. Um, Campus Rec, and also because of just how diverse FAU was, like, we got to experience, like, just a very diverse, really fun staff. And mm-hmm. there's nothing that can replace that in my mind. No. As far as, like, the fitness manager side of it for me, that was the part that was the best was really just the mentoring part. Like I got to really test my skills on how well can I communicate ideas? Um, how well can I really teach somebody how they're at what they're already doing? Um, so getting to be a part of that was really fun for me. All right, I think you're back. You able to see and hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Perfect. All right, I think we're good to go now. Of course, this is the first and only podcast I'm having. I know my connection is usually trash anyway. This is the first I'm having (laughs) difficulties. Maybe I'll try and cut it out. We'll see, but it hasn't been too bad so far, but we'll Mm -hmm. just keep rolling with it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, What all did you hear? Sorry, I'm not sure where I left off. No, you're good. You mentioned how the... um, you really enjoyed the mentor side of things and how that was very valuable to you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it got, it allowed me to um, make connections that I probably wouldn't have been able to make in the same way. And allowed me to have an impact on people, um, which can, which can be sort of nerve wracking as you completely mm-hmm. understand as well, because you either are going to help somebody in a positive way or what you say to them can really um, affect them in a negative way. 
Yeah. Um, and so it was adjusting based off of the person to see what are they really good at? What do they need to work on? How can I let them be themselves, but the best version of themselves in personal training, group fitness, whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think we got to make a hell of a team with all the people oh, we yeah. had and all the people we got to mentor and work alongside of a lot of, a lot of cool personalities, man, along the way, uh, people like Elijah oh, yeah. and Morgan and, and, and Zach and Chris and all those yeah. people, man. It was a fun time. That, that last little group we had, not yes. little, it wasn't even little at that point. No, it that was. If we grew we it. Yeah. I think it was like it 15 was people we got to at the end there. I, I put that group of trainers against any group of trainers any given day. Stacked roster. Absolutely yeah. stacked. Yeah. And there's reasons <laughs> behind that, too, that we can probably get into later. But mm -hmm. there are some. It was just a really good group. Can't it absolutely it. was. Yeah. I'll, I'll echo exactly what you said, man. Definitely the diverse in the community aspect of it, right? Like Campus Rec and people used to joke with us being there like, do y'all just like have a bed somewhere in the back where like you guys do work and then like you just go to sleep and then you wake up and you're back at the rec. It's like you guys are always here and never leave. It's because we didn't want to leave. Like yeah. I loved and I'm, that's why I'm back there now. I loved the rec center. I love I still love the rec center and all the opportunities that you have. There's always something to do. There's even with COVID right now, there's always something going on. There's yeah. always things that you can do to improve. And that kind of ties into my favorite part of Campus Rec specifically is the student development side. Like people go into Campus Rec primarily because they care about the students and yeah. like their experience while they're on campus, knowing full well that you're not going to be here for more than a couple of years. But despite that, we're going to invest everything we can in you and you being successful in life. Do you know how yeah. hard that is? Like, I know you're going to leave as an employee. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to give you everything. That Not is so that, cool. You're also like preparing them to leave on a good note. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is so true. If you, most jobs, like, I don't think it's the right thing, but most jobs, like if they knew you were leaving in a year, they wouldn't hire you. If they get out of here, it's like, we hire you full well, knowing that me and you are kind of the outliers, like staying there for three plus years. Yeah. If they catch you in a freshman, you say the entire time, it's an anomaly. That's not how it mm -hmm. works. It's, it's you're lucky you get them for, you know, a year and a half, two years is like really good. So exactly that part is awesome. And then, yeah, the mentoring side from the fitness manager, that is priceless. Not only from a, there's the self-satisfaction thing there, you know, we all have selfish aspects of ourselves. I love that. You know, you feel good yeah. to help other people, but like seeing like where our group goes and even people that I mentor now, I'm sure people, you know, you mentor now, it's like, man, seeing how they're doing and like mm -hmm. hearing all the great things they're doing. I'm like, yes, man, that is so awesome. You guys are yeah. chasing your dreams, your goals, you're helping people and spreading that knowledge that we worked on together. Like there's nothing better they, in life than that. They were smart, man. Like that so group. Smart. So smart. I don't want to harp on it too much, but like, seriously, that group was just really smart, man. It was hall of fame of personal training, man. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get him a gold jacket for it. <laughs> <laughs> now we've been talking a lot about campus Trek, and I'm sure most people, you know, a lot of our listeners are fitness or health based. They know what it is, but I think it's really important to kind of just give a brief overview from our perspective, what campus rec is in general for those who maybe don't know too much about it or like, don't really know really what it is at all. So can you just kind of like lay out, like from your perspective, DJ, like what is campus recreation in general? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I say to kind of sum it up, it is more so of an outlet in a stressful environment. Right. Mm -hmm. um, especially if we're talking about collegiate, college campus recreation right um it's a very stressful time for a lot of people they go through weight losses weight gains relationship losses 
and their relationship games, like all kinds of different stuff. And, and they're also trying to figure out what they want to do for their future. Mm-hmm. And while also while trying to figure out who they are themselves. And it's all of that pressure while trying to get good grades. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Campus Rec serves out as somewhat of an outlet for that. Yeah. So if you want to do fitness, there's that for you. We have a gym with personal trainers who, and sometimes are better than the trainers that are also in the area and other mm-hmm. gyms. You have group fitness, you have um, getting out of fitness, you didn't have outdoor adventures, which there's so much that you can do just through that program alone, especially if you're just tired of being in the same area. All the abroad trips they would go on were just really fun and stuff you can learn from them. Um, you have your intramural sports, your sport clubs, where if you still are missing that athletic side of things, but you didn't mm-hmm. want to go the athletic route into college, you still can get into it. So, I mean, there's just so much else that you can talk about with Campus Rec. Like you said, there's always something you can do there. We're representing the fitness side of it, but it, it's not even close to what all you can do with Campus Rec. No, of course. And it, it definitely varies from like you and I have been to different schools at various conferences. It looks a little bit different. Some places have a wellness aspect to their campus recreation or, or a registered dietitian on site, or they have study areas. But I like the way you said it's like a, an escape from the rest of campus, right? I liken it to kind of like, it's an oasis of, of just being active. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, you don't have to be this gung-ho person that likes to go to the gym six times a week. Mm-hmm. It can be, you like to go traveling, go kayaking on the weekends. Like there's a place for you. Rock climbing is a big thing in, in the campus rec side of things. A yeah. lot of these campus rec centers have bouldering walls or, or rock climbing walls inside, or they have courses outside where they have like a low course and a high course. And you can do things there where you're active in that way. Cause rock climbing is getting very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, they have things where it's like, if you're concerned about like mental health and well-being, there's places that have meditation rooms that have quiet study areas. There is just anything that has to do with just being active and being healthy is what campus recreation represents for primarily the student population, but really for the campus and the community at large, which is yeah. a really cool thing. Yeah. It's unique in that way. Um, it's not something that a lot of people get to experience. Um, but once you get to college, if you, if you if your college does have even a somewhat decent campus rec program, go see mm-hmm. what they have. You'll yeah. enjoy it. There, there's something there that you can get into for sure. And that's the, that's the coolest part is that there's usually, it, it depends on the university, of course, but usually there's a lot of job opportunity if you're a student, right? You're already going to be spending a lot of time on campus. Campus recreation is usually flexible with students because of that. See if you can get a job there. And it's not just, I have to be into fitness. There's facilities. There's, there's we didn't talk about that. There's usually a pool of some capacity or there's lifeguard opportunities, right? If you like to swim or maybe you were a swimmer in high school, right? Um, the facility side, there's usually cleaning staff. Um, there's back end stuff, depending on if you go into more managerial side of it. There's a lot of different areas you can do as a student, not just personal trainer, group fitness instructor. No, it's it's all there. And you, your point is amazing. Like the job side of things, there is no job that's going to take into your account your hours as much as campus rec will. Nope. Not, I've never seen a job take into account your life more than campus rec will. It, we were working three-hour shifts. Three-hour yeah. shifts. It has worked around our part, class schedule. Yeah. And the crazy <laughs> part is people still complained about it, but that's on a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> it's like, we ain't going to talk about that. That's another thing. <laughs> we talk about that. But like, 
you would literally have your week schedule come out and it would be a total of six hours. Yep. You're like, what? Like, this is the easiest thing ever. It was so nice. I remember we would use, um, we're using when to work at the time. We still mm-hmm. use it. And it's like highlight times you're in class. Yep. Highlight times you would like to work. Highlight <laughs> times you cannot work or would not like to work. And more often than not, it was like exactly what you wanted every single yeah. day. Yeah, it was simple, man. And there, you're not going to find an experience just like that. And even if so, we're, we're talking about how light the load is. But just like that point I just mentioned, there are people who are still going to complain about it and drop their shifts. Uh-huh. If you're somebody who wants to work 20 hours a week, guaranteed you'll still be able to get your 20 hours. It's all still there. DJ, I know me and you, t- we joke about it, how during winter break, me and you would just be in groomy, just like, give it to me. Give me them shifts. Give me them shifts. Dog. I was working, I was working to eight, 10 hour shifts every day over winter and spring break. Why not? Like we had the time and no and one's there. Like, no one was there. <laughs> the job was so easy at that point. I was taking everybody's shift I can. <laughs> yep. Oh man. But yeah, the, the whole point of that is that if you're a student on, on campus right now and you know, you're maybe looking for a job opportunity, fitness based or not, it's a really, really good opportunity. So I would definitely check out and see, especially as things are opening up more now, there may even be more opportunities. So definitely hop on board mm-hmm. with that. Kind of, the, even, oh, sorry. Just a, just a little bit of point with that. Yeah, yeah. Probably you can talk about this too, just a little bit, is even though we're opening back up, what we also saw grow in the time that we were more so closed was the virtual aspects. Yes. So even if you still want to teach from home or do things from home, more gyms, more campus recreation centers are having those opportunities for people. It's not going to work in every single way because no. some people can't do it, but especially in fitness, it is working really well. Yes, it is. We're, it, I always say that, you know, COVID didn't create the market. It was a catalyst for the market of being yeah. for, for virtual fitness to, to launch because, you know, it's, it's accessible. It's generally cheaper and the reach and audience is unlimited. So like, and it eliminates barriers. Like, you know, if, if people are busy and it's like, Hey, I don't have time to, you know, drive back to the gym for 30 minutes, or I need to go home and take the kid and get dinner started. I can do that in my living room. Like that is, that's awesome to me. And you can teach it from your living room. That's the awesome part too. Yeah. And get paid. Sure, man. Like there's that always sound like you're getting paid and the pay for, for a student job, the pay is pretty good. If you're in the fitness, I can speak from yeah. the fitness side purely. It, it's, it's a decent pay for a starting job. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of cons about it. (laughs) No. Now, when it comes to career opportunities outside of the student aspect of it, going to the pro staff side. So you made that transition. You went from, from fitness manager to GA to now fitness coordinator. Can you kind of talk about that, you know, journey a little bit? I know it was a, it was a not very linear journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I went, FAU was where I was fitness manager at. So a little bit of oversight there, got to be a part of mentoring, got to be a part of what pro staff was um, from, a, from a small aspect. Like they still treat us like students, but they also gave us a lot more responsibility at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still got to learn a little bit of that, got to be a part of interviews, see how that went. And then it was my time. So it was like, are you going to be in campus rec? If you are, especially if you're going to be in fitness, you're probably going to have to go to a, get a, you're going to have to get a graduate assistantship. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let's look at these schools. And I'm getting my list of schools down. 
And I basically get them narrowed down to two schools and I end up going to Texas A&M. Everything works out. I, I go to Aggie way and start to see all that they're about. And it was different. Mm-hmm. Definitely different. Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything was different. I can't even say anything was even close to the same. I became over personal trainers and what we called our, uh, like basically the fitness floor staff, but it was attendance and head attendance. And so it was kind of how we were at FAU. However, we were almost like, we weren't necessarily facilities, we would say. Facilities would have been at FAU, the front desk side. We, gotcha. there, was a, there was a separate facility staff. And the gym doors, there was doors to the gym side of it. And we had our own staff that worked just went inside that room. Gotcha. And so I was over that staff, the personal trainers and the small group instructors. And it was a blast, but it was really difficult at first. It was anywhere between 70 to 100 employees. Yeah. Uh, so just like trying to get my mind around, like, how do I connect with this many students? Like, it's tough. Who, how do you even get to know this many people? Because we came from and, the smaller school where like we're overseeing, you know, staff of may, maybe 40 between personal training and group fitness, like max. Exactly. Exactly. And so that was something I was initially really worried about. But it ended up not being as bad as I thought it was going to be. Obviously, there are students who are going to be more invested in the job than others. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be people who are going to make it easy on you. And they're going to be the people who reach out to you all the time. And I just it was it was a part of the culture there already where all of the management team was constantly coming downstairs anyway. So we would see everybody on shift. We talk to them. We help them and sometimes discipline them. And so that part became really easy. Uh, Personal training being overseeing it in that manner became very different um, because I did not have to focus on the group fitness side of it. Right. So it was, it was just the trainers and the trainers also were my small group instructors. Um, That group was a really smart group and they came from really smart leadership who had a lot of pressure on them. And it was my job to keep some of that pressure on them but also play the GA role and still be like, I'm still a student too. I know what you're going through. I'm here yep. for you in certain ways. Um, and kind of be somewhat of a bridge for them. And g- getting my skills up on teaching different topics, um, uh, teaching more of the ACE, well, it was ACE in the beginning, then it turned to the NSCA prep course, um, teaching prep courses, just everything that you can imagine, like the evaluation processes, everything that I did at FAU got ramped up and slightly changed. And yeah. so I got to grow a crap ton for my graduate assistantship. Um, and I was there working a, a lot more than I probably should have, but it was 20 awful. hours, right? Yeah, that's 20 <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 20 hours. Contract and, sets up. Exactly. <laughs> Don't tell HR. Um, (laughs) And it all worked out. I I eventually got a really good relationship with the students and my bosses at the time. And they helped me get onto that next step. And so it was just that next level of interviews, the professional side of things. Yep. All this while also becoming a dad for the first time. And yes, I don't know how you, that just stressed me (laughs) out just thinking about that, dude. I don't know how you did it, man, but you did. 
if there's anyone who could do it i'm like i know dj can do it man (laughs) it it was difficult man it is not i don't recommend it i definitely don't recommend it but um i got through it got to those interviews and the interviews went great and that's all because of my past experiences Mm -hmm. i my collegiate campus rec mentors Lindsay, zach steven um jared they all helped me so much and my interview skills being able to help me communicate better putting me on the spot making me do things that i didn't always want to do i got that from all of them yeah and them being the people that they were helped me to be the person that I can be for those students. And so now I'm here and doing a similar job as you. I'm overseeing group fitness, personal training, and it's just that group. And we're dealing with all the COVID stuff. So mm-hmm. it's how do we still make programs work, even though not everybody can be here? How do we keep all of the guidelines in place and all the fitness areas that we have? And make sure people are in a safe environment from place to place. Like all those things have to come into play while still acting like everything's somewhat normal. Yeah. And 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 this point right now, trying to figure out what's the next steps. Like, do we know if we're going to be able to have more than 10 people in a class? Do we know if we can start to um, hire more people? Like it all comes from like we might need 10 more we might need 10 more staff because mm-hmm. it could blow up and we could start having 20 30 people in a class again however yeah. it could stay similar to where it's at and only bump up just a little bit and maybe we hired too much so trying to figure out those things are also a part of the program too but yeah that's kind of how i went from one to the next to the next without some of the little other pieces that aren't campus right <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's good to outline that because I had also a conversation with Chris not too long ago on the podcast. You know, there's a few areas in the exercise science or health science realm that I think gets a lot of attention more. So the typical ones, physical therapy, strength and conditioning, you hear campus rec every now and again, but I don't think people maybe know too much about like the opportunities from the fitness side of things. Right. If you want to go into management or leadership of people, or if maybe you have aspirations of owning your own facility or managing a large facility one day, corporate or private, whatever it is, campus recreation is a really great, stable, best way for you to get like career and professional development. It's like an amazing avenue for you to take. I don't know, DJ, if you anything to add in terms of like the opportunities from the fitness side of things. If you, if you want to be that person who can help student age kids go into their next job in fitness because some of the things that you've experienced, some of the things that you've heard of, that's the, this is the job for you. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's what you want to be at because they have a lot of questions. They have almost no connections. They haven't really had a lot of job experience prior to this. Their resumes are not good. And so you have the opportunity to really be the catalyst that sets them forward and really helps them go in the right direction. Um, that's, I know not just fitness, it's, it's a part of campus rec period, of course. but I think in the personal training side of things and group fitness side of things, from what we've been able to experience, it's very impactful. Yeah. Um, you don't get that at most other gyms. And that's the thing. It's not that age has necessarily to do with your ability to be open to new ideas, but what I do know just from experience and listening to other professionals talk is 
if you go to an established gym, you may come in contact with a staff where, or members on the staff where they're set in their own ways, right? They're established trainers. They think, you know, and maybe they are successful. Maybe they do have a lot of knowledge, but it's their ways the right way. And that's how it is. And it works for them because they're a successful trainer and their clients have success. And maybe they don't need to grow more or they just kind of stick in their lane. It's like, this is what I do. When it comes to campus rec and working at a university, most students are there because they want to learn. They're wide-eyed. They have the rest of their lives in front of them. DJ and I are still young. We're still kind of in that category, right? Like, well, we're still like, we're open to ideas, man. And like DJ said, a lot of these students, like, this is their first job. They're just getting into their coursework when it comes to like exercise science for the group fitness instructors and personal trainers. So all this is brand new to them. And the environment is just all about learning and trying to grow and develop. And as someone in that role who enjoys that thing, it is so refreshing that people just like come to your office and it's like, Hey, I was reading about this. Like, can you talk to me about this? Like, Hey, I was needing help with my program. Can you help me with that? Or, Oh, I want to learn this new format for group fitness. Can I, can you help me teach this? Like that is just hearing that and like the ability or the the demand for wanting to grow. It baffles me all the time. And I love it. Yeah. It's because they're already in an academic place, I think. I think that's at least a part of it. Yeah. They, they know Campus Rec is located in the same place as University or College, whatever it may be. And they're already used to, like, we're having meetings where we're teaching you and we're letting you still be a student. And so I think it kind of opens up that, that door to say, hey, I can ask my boss about these questions and not kind of get a lot of hate from it. I in agree. other times, you might lose your job or lose opportunities because you didn't know the answer to certain questions. Yes. It's, it's a good place to, it's a place to make mistakes or like to have those like, you know, uncomfortable rookie moments, right? It's, that's yeah. the whole, that's the whole purpose. That way, when you go into a real job or a big boy job, when you're like, oh, this is the big box gym where I got to, you know, make sure I'm getting my clients. I'm helping them. I'm helping with goals. I'm helping with sales. Like you already had your training and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And that's why the campus rec trainers can be some of the best trainers you've ever seen. Yes. Because we take the time to develop them. Yeah. And that's an important distinction too. kind of the last point I want to talk about before we move on is the difference between personal training in a rec center versus personal training in like your typical box gym. Right. Yeah. You might think, well, it's like, it's kind of the same thing. And I don't want to, I want to preface it. There's a, there are tremendous, tremendous things about being a personal trainer, especially if it's your first time doing personal training, excuse me. And that is in some sense, you're relatively spoon fed clients, meaning there may not be an absurd demand depending on where you are, or you could be at Purdue where we have a wait list of a hundred, but that's a different (laughs) story for a different time. How I couldn't believe how many people would sign up. It was an awesome problem to have, but I just, I couldn't believe how many people would sign up, but more or less, you don't have to market yourself and fight for clientele. It's like people sign up. The pricing is, it's usually at least half of what the market is in the area because Campus Rec generally is not revenue-based. It's good to make money. And personal training is one of the small revenue-based parts of Campus Rec. So, you know, that's why we get a lot of praise. It's like, oh, you guys are helping make money for the university. Exactly. Recreation center. Um, But the fact that you don't have to necessarily focus too much on those sales things in the beginning, because that can be hard. It's like, you got to learn programming, building rapport, doing assessments, all those things. It's like, on top of that, you also need to sell for the first time, which oftentimes could be the hardest thing. It's like, you can have all the knowledge, 
if you can't convince someone like, Hey, you know, I'm here to work with you. I'm here to help you. And like, we can have a good relationship. If you can't do that, like all your training is worth nothing. So it's a safe place for you to get a steady flow of clientele that you can take at your pace while you're doing your studies. And then if you want to, you can start marketing yourself or using word of mouth with your client to kind of give you access into it. Not to mention a lot of the established like box gyms, not CrossFit, but like just your yeah, standard, yeah. Um, they have levels to their training system. Mm-hmm. And so if you're coming in as that new trainer and you're level one, whatever they call it at that facility, people are already going to look at you as like, oh, that's a crap trainer. Like, <laughs> like that that's not the guy. I don't want, that I don't guy. want him. I don't want her. Like that they already look at you as like you're not that person, right? Yep. Whereas at Campus Rec, you don't unless you like hear word of mouth, like, oh, I want Damien. Yeah. I, I was Damien's client. I want to have I want Damien as my trainer. Unless you hear that specifically, you're just signing up for personal training. Yep. And as far as you know, everybody's at the same level. That's right. On the website, we all have our names on there. Everyone's yep. there alphabetically. Yep. And it's all pretty much the same exact thing. And you don't know any, you don't know much about anyone else. And so I think that it's, I mean, it's a pro and a con on both sides. Like, yes, you do get to get spoon fed clients. You get to make mistakes. You get to learn a lot. You actually get to make a lot more money too, because more people are signing up Mm -hmm. and you can take on whatever your schedule can take. Yes. And you can really grow really fast and Mm -hmm. prepare you for that next opportunity. Like I'm confident in myself now. Now I'm okay to go sell. Whereas if you go the other way, you might lose confidence and stop training altogether. But as you were mentioning, if you really want to be just in personal training, you do have to know how to sell. Yeah, You do have to know how to communicate. And if you can't tell or let people know that you're better than the next person, you're going to lose them most of the time. And so it is it, a pro and a con on both sides, but I definitely think being in campus rec and starting there is more helpful for most people. The fear of that rejection is just not going to be there. Yeah, I think starting there is a really good place for students if you have the opportunity. Like DJ mentioned, name and reputation is big. And you can actually, what I advice I would give is like, hey, take the steady spoonful of clients, like as much as you can handle comfortably at your job based on like your, you know, your workload with schoolwork and things outside. And then as you're starting to pick up more clientele and you start building a reputation across campus because people talk and that's word of mouth is a big thing on campus. I'll never forget me, you, Michael, like we were training God at one point, like 10 to 12 clients, the three of us, no, no, no exaggeration. No, no exaggeration. Looking at the sheet, not just, and you have to add Elijah in there too. Cause he was in that group. Yes. Too yes. We were, it, all of us were training between eight to 12 clients at a time. Mm-hmm. And we were, we had half of the client load between the four of us. Yep. And full class load. And then people on top of that, because our, our names had spread because we were doing good work and because we had a bulk of the clients, it's like, I want to train with every other client. I want DJ. I want Michael. I want Damien. I want Elijah. And it's like, we couldn't take them. And luckily most of them were still willing to work with our other amazing trainers who are also starting to build names for themselves as well. And it was like, what that last semester I was like, dude, like I'm leaving. Like, and just like, the names and the, and the volume of people that started coming. And I was like, Oh wow. If I stayed here and this was a job like long-term that was higher paying, that was sustainable for like an adult life. It's like, this is where you can start building those business skills or those sales skills, or I hate the term, but those soft intangible skills, right. Where you can start being like, you're on the floor. You got 30 minutes before you got to go to class, walk the floor in your uniform, 
talk to someone who maybe you think needs help and approach them in a kind manner, right? Not the, you know, the typical thing we see at the gym. It's like, your form's wrong or, hey, you're obese, so you need to work out. Like, and you think I'm joking, but people say that to people because they're trying to make a sale. And it's a horrible thing. But yeah. using that opportunity to like engage with people and like, that's your time to mess up and like not be very good at it. And then hopefully build a name for yourself and get more clients. Yep, for sure. DJ, before we go on, anything else about Campus Rec, personal training on that side? Um, last thing, just, just to be like super transparent, the other gyms are probably going to pay you more. Oh, yeah, of course. They're, they're most likely always going to pay you more. I would say that you could probably make more money in Campus Rec because of how many clients you can get at a time. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're already on campus, you're a student. It's, it's less of a drive, so you can do a lot more with a lot less time. And like I said, if if you're new, that can happen very quickly. Whereas at those other gyms, you're a level one trainer. You're not the entry is very difficult once you're in there. Once you get a yeah. few people in a box gym and like your name starts going around, you can make a lot of money. But exactly. the entry, like it's hard to start at zero. It's yeah. very very hard to start at zero and get that first client. It is so hard. And if you're, if you're in a competitive environment, oh. in some of those gyms, <laughs> like, and, and everybody's at the door waiting for that new client to come yep. in and you're not ready, you're not confident. You could really lose out on a lot of sales. And a lot of time you could have been growing with campus rec yep. clients and, and getting all the experience from all the mentors there. So I, yes, you are going to get paid more in those other gyms, but I think you get more time and value out of campus rec. I couldn't agree more. Shifting gears a little bit. Let's talk boot camp. Woo. So boot camp, like DJ mentioned, is the area he started in when it comes to group fitness. I won't speak for him, but I'm going I'm to I'm gamble on this one. I'm, I'm feeling lucky today. <laughs> DJ, can I say that it is your favorite group fitness format to teach? Yeah, for sure. Let's go. <laughs> See, so I, I'd argue it's mine as well. Um, and this is really cool because like I said, DJ was a mentor of mine for personal training and for group fitness. Um, we come from a boot camp strength hit style background. And DJ is actually the one who taught me how to teach boot camp. And I'll never forget, I got for those watching right now, I got the sleeve, <laughs> the quarterback sleeve. We use this when I first saw DJ teaching the class, I was like, what the hell is this dude doing? Are we playing football? Like, what's going on? But this just goes to his, you know ingenuity and like how quick on his feet and how practical he thinks. And it's like his mind when we do things, whether it's doing events like strong owl or doing training, everything DJ does is very practical, which made him a really good coach. Cause it, he gave me a lot of like firm ground to stand on. It's like, here's a way that you can organize it. Here's how you can structure the circuits. Here's how you can do it. But all, on top of that, he was a really good coach because not only was, and this is something that I've learned as a leader that's carried me very far is that, while it's very good to be practical, always having DJ always had the open mind of like, I'm willing to hear other things or think in a different way. If you present it to me and it makes sense. Meaning if I mentioned something to DJ, he, he would take into consideration and say, yeah, that makes sense. You can definitely do it that way or hmm, never thought about it before. Or if maybe I was throwing ideas because DJ knows how I think. I think by talking, right? I have to say a lot of bad ideas and get them out before hopefully one <laughs> good one pops out. He would be able to rationalize and say, no, I hear what you're saying, but maybe you got to consider these things as well. And then be like, oh yeah, you're right. No, that doesn't make much sense. So having him as a mentor for group fitness and coaching boot camp was 
amazing. And it's still my favorite format today. We're looking to hopefully bring it back soon now that COVID is getting a little bit better and we're hoping to bring it back outside. So that's looking, looking promising for sure. I appreciate all the compliments and I'm very happy that it's coming back. I was a little hurt when I saw I was leaving. And just to make sure everybody's clear, Damien might sound like it took him a while to learn this stuff, but he learned it very quickly. <laughs> and he went on to mentor a lot of people as well. So <laughs> it, it, it became a very um, quick pace relationship in that way. Appreciate that, man. Now, boot camp gets thrown around a lot, right? The name itself, right? You hear, you know, a local place down here in South Florida is Q Hard Exercise Works. They have boot camp classes. Sometimes you might hear local box gyms have boot camp style classes. The term gets thrown around a lot. Um, yeah. When you hear like the term boot camp DJ, like if you had to define it just in your terms, like what does a boot camp style class mean to you? So boot camp to me should be one of your more difficult group fitness classes. It's still going to be group based. It doesn't have to be group fitness in that sense. It could be small group, but it's going to be group based. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. And it should start to use some of the things that you're not going to see in a typical group fitness class. So I think if you bring those three things together, you are going to have a somewhat decent boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it comes to the coaching. Like you got to have a coach that really is going to bring a presence for that class. Yes. If it's not like a, I want to say like, this probably in the best terms, like a powerful person, like a presence that they can bring to the class. No, of course. It's like that drill, not that you are a drill sergeant, but it's like that drill sergeant energy. Like, oh, my instructor is there. He has a command presence. Like, here's what we're doing. We're going from place to place. We're moving. We're engaged, right? Exactly. And I, I don't, I was kind of being careful because I don't want it to sound like of this course. isn't the military. Like, it's not the same no, thing. Not not However, as far as group fitness goes, it should be like you have a presence there. They mm-hmm. know you're there. And when you say go, they are on and they are mm-hmm. going. So that's how I see boot camp. Absolutely. I, I would definitely disagree with anything. No, no, no. All that I would, I would, I really like the part that you mentioned about the different equipment because oftentimes the unique thing also about boot camp, it doesn't have to be this way, but usually it's it's best to have an outside component to the class or make it fully outside because mm-hmm. it's very hard to get classes outside. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more popular now with COVID because that's how a lot of gyms survive. But this is a time it's like, hey, let's get some sunshine and fresh air get some elements involved. Right. So having that aspect, I think adds to the bootcamp style, which allows you to use piece of equipment. You otherwise wouldn't use things like medicine balls, because if your groove in this floor is, you know, wood floor, you maybe can't do medicine ball slams or chest uh, medicine ball chest passes against the wall because it's mirrors around the wall inside. You can do that outside. Um, I doesn't have to be this way, but I think most boot camps would benefit from having some kind of running component where you travel or at least small portions of, of, of running where you go from place to place or station to station. And again, that goes to being outside, having more space available to you. Um, and the last part that I think DJ kind of touched on a little bit is yes, you can do this in every group fitness class, but I think the thing that makes bootcamp the most unique aside from the equipment or being outside or being a higher intensity class for the most part is it is a team work or team atmosphere style class, meaning the circuits and the camaraderie and the team activities that you can do. That's what makes it boot camp, yeah. Right. And playing to the spirit of the word again, it's not a military style class, but exactly. it's like 
when you think boot camp, it's like, you know, we're all in this together. Motivation, like we're getting energy from each other. We're feeding off our instructor. We're feeding off the activities and circuits we're doing. So having that camaraderie and team-based part of the class, I think is what makes it unique as well. Exactly. Like in some group fitness classes, you might have, I mean, in all group fitness classes, there should be levels. Mm-hmm. However, like, like the running components, when you say go, everybody's running. Yep. Team components, like they're, they're looking at each other, like they're clapping for each other, especially if you make, like, if you really get with them and you're high energy and you're like, clap for your team, go, let, let's, let's have it. It really makes the class a lot more different and sets it apart from a typical group fitness class. Yes. And DJ and I come from the same, or I guess I should say similar background because he taught me boot camp. And not that my style hasn't changed at all, but I think the principles and foundation for my program design has stayed relatively consistent since I've learned it. Um, but DJ, can you kind of just outline like what your style is in terms of how you, it doesn't necessarily be your style, but what you think makes sense program design wise for boot camp in terms of like, you know, general recommendations for warm up, maybe some ideas for if you do circuit superset, et cetera, and then how the class kind of flows throughout. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say warm up is actually a pretty big deal for a boot mm-hmm. camp class, especially how we were teaching it at FAU because it was so much outside. So, one, no AC. Nope. So, like, the especially in South Florida, cold. man. Yeah. And so you had to get the body ready to be able to handle what was going to happen. I had, I did have a couple people throw up in the class, not necessarily because it was just like super, super hard, mm-hmm. but because either they ate something wrong or it was so humid out and how they were able to take an air just affected them a little bit weird. So um, you do have to prepare the body for what's going to happen. There was a running, a running component to every single warm up I did in boot camp mm-hmm. because we were going to run. Um, I worked every joint out that I possibly could because we were going to move in a lot of different ways that you weren't used to. Yes. Um, I had a high intensity finish in all the warmups because there was going to be high intensity in the workout. Yep. And there was going to be some plyometric stuff in the workout. So it, it was all going to be there. And I had to make sure that the warm-up was really good and did as much as it possibly could. And I would say the cool down, that took me a little bit longer to get better at. And I, I agree. Yeah, it took me a little bit longer to get better. I kind of not neglected it. I just wasn't that important to me in the beginning. And as I got older, I did it a little bit more. I started to understand like this cool down after all that stuff I just put them through also needs to be really good. Like they are sweating. They're going crazy. And if I'm in this class at the right time and people are leaving because the class has ended and they they didn't get to do their cool down. I did them a disservice at that point. So um, cool down is in a similar way, except it's a lot more static. I made sure I actually cooled them down first. Like mm-hmm. let's get let's get a difference between a cool down and a stretch down real quick. I cooled them down first. So it was a walk. It was some breathing, um, really focusing on getting that heart rate lower. Then we got into our actual stretches where now we're in a little bit more of a calm mindset. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to get into more of these static long-term stretches. Some things I know if I hit it harder, I would do it a couple of times. They kind of see it as repetitive, but they start to understand as you're coaching it, if you're talking through your warm-up and cool-downs, you're saying, and we're going to go through this a second time just to make sure that these muscles are going to be good for the next time you guys come out. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really looking out for everybody's benefit in this class, right? So those two things I think are often neglected 
But if you're really doing a good boot camp with some of the things that we've mentioned, they're very important. Of course. To get the to get the education part out of the way, <laughs> getting into more of uh, program design for that. Your typical program design is what I kind of base all of it off of. So I want to do more of my power, somewhat plyometric moves in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to keep the more well, honestly, as because of how everything would flow, I would usually do a movement that I'll usually do a circuit or superset of some sorts where it wasn't so much power in the beginning just to really get that body moving just a little bit more. So kind of adding on to the warm up. Right? Yeah, like a, like an extent. Exactly. You took the words right out, like an extension of the warm up to get them. Proud. Exactly. Yep. Um, and so it was a part of the workout, but it's kind of just primed the body for what we were really going to get into. Yep. So sometimes it was. It's so much stuff that you can do in boot camp. But let's say if you're going to be doing like a lot of lateral jumps, well, then we might have had like some sidelines to be to start mm-hmm. off with. Um, that would kind of help me flow into whatever I was going to do. So sticking along those lines, I would have an extension from the warm-up into the actual program. And then from there, your power, more explosive movements would be in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then if I had, if the class was set up this way, sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't that's when my more strength components would come into place. So usually endurance, sometimes hypertrophy, depending on the person, Mm -hmm. um, but your your typical exercise that you would see in a strength group fitness class. That would come in. And then from there, you would get into more of your speed, agility, Mm -hmm. your quickness, all that type of stuff would come into play. Some of the team aspects, the more fun things uh, for some people, not everybody likes the team aspect, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually had some people tell me like, can we not do like the team thing in here? And Psych. I was like, it won't be every class, but it's going to be in some classes. And I'm not, <laughs> um, but it, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought from there. You're talking about programming how it's got like the strength portion going to uh, speed portions. Yeah. So speed, agility, quickness would be somewhat at the end. And I would probably end with some sort of, I did it so many different ways, but I I like to end with some sort of cardio component at the Mm -hmm. end. Uh, Sometimes that was like a a lap because we had a long way. We had a lot of room to work with. We had a lot of room. So I would do some sort of cardio component um, to really kind of just bring it home. Like it could be sprints. It could be more endurance. Um, but it was usually pretty hard at the end. I wanted you to like earn that warm up, I mean, earn that cool down mm-hmm. and really like want to come back again. And, yeah. and I mean, you saw it like people enjoyed it. They wanted to come back. They they liked being pushed in a way that they weren't pushed before. I'm trying to remember what the, the cap on the class was like 20. It was a weird number. It was like 26, right? Or like 24? Yeah, it was like 25 or something. I don't know. It was weird. But you were having, I remember we would, I'd be walking out, going to my car. You'd be going to yours, vice versa, family who was teaching. It's like, those classes, like we, they were, you know, 14 plus people almost every single time. Consistently. Man, we, we had some big groups. Mm-hmm. We had big groups. Once people started to know like, oh, these, these people are teaching this class. And you remember when we did the triangle class, me, you and Elijah, like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like having some fun with it. it. We had some pretty fun, energetic classes and I, I saw the transition. So you didn't get to experience this because you were a little after me in boot camp. But this kind of goes back into what we were talking about, what is required in a boot camp. And I said, the only thing that we, 
that we really didn't really say too much is like how difficult it can be. I sub somebody's class using one of my already programmed workout because this mm-hmm. wasn't my class, right? Right. I didn't get through half of my workout because <laughs> that person's class was not as difficult. Yeah. And so they were they were like they were just overly tired, like being able to read the room. They were just like done. And I was like, we got 20 minutes left. Like, I don't know what I'm so I had to like bring it down, slow some of the stuff down. And I got through half of my workout. And I was just like, that's not how I run classes. Like, that's yeah. not camp to me. And you got to do the same thing. You were a hard class. Elijah, like we had hard boot camps and people mm-hmm. knew it matter who it was. If they went to boot camp, they were going to get pushed. Yeah. Even if you were at different fitness levels, like we had really intense people. And then we had people who were coming for the first time, like they worked hard in their capacity and they got it. There was something for everybody. Absolutely. And the, the best way I agree with everything you said in terms of like the style. And I like how you said, you know, sometimes even if you wanted, I like to say like usually the second circuit was the hardest one because that first one is like, let's prep, let's, you know, get a little bit more agility, speed work, whatever, just to prime the body, prime the muscles. And that second one, it's like, oh, that's the circuit. That's boot camp yeah. right there. Um, yeah. The best way I can describe boot camp, and I'll get into some nuances here in a second, is it's strength conditioning for the general public. Yes. That's that's like the best, like if I had to put it in like a couple words, right? Um, you can also look at it as like a, a combination of hit and strength using those components. Like if you teach hit class or strength class, combining those formats with unique equipment, with being outside with the team-based environment and then how you want to structure it. That's the cool thing is you got a lot of playroom, man. It can be, I want to structure it around the equipment I want to bring out for the day. I want to structure it around a particular format of training, whether it's power, strength, endurance, however you want to program it, you can then base the class around that. So that's the cool part. So exactly. typical, typical warm-up. I use, um, and I started getting more. So advanced towards the end was doing like a ramp protocol. Like we would do with athletics or I still do with my general clients. Just, we don't always do the P part at the end, the potentiate where I do do for that class. Cause like DJ said, that's a big thing. We're outside. We're going to be doing a lot. There's usually some plyometrics. There's usually some running. So, you know, start with getting their heart rate up with a run, start by doing some activation drills, some mobility drills. And then finally like a circuit or two, maybe to get them ready for the exercises. Um, there's definitely, some power-based component to it, right? So, you know, a, a lot of times, like sometimes your classes, I would start out with a, a five to eight minute AMRAP. It's like, here's some stations along this path that we have. Uh, you have to jog from station to station. Your goal is to go through each one as many times as you can. And depending on the focus might be full body, you know, lower body and shoulders, whatever. That's what they're doing. So yeah. they're going through station to station. Uh, we use break periods, plenty of water. Cause again, it's outside, it's hot rest periods to explain like what we're doing next. And then typically we would go into like more of our structured circuits or activities, right? A big thing that I remember you taught me and that was, it's worked very well, especially too, when you have large classes is segmenting the circuits into different like areas, right? So we would bring out, you know, a good format we would do is like piece of equipment, body weight exercise, piece of equipment, body weight exercise to where you could have like four people per station, you have six stations, that's, you know, 24 people. And that was usually the, the cap for our class. So it worked perfectly. Right. So, you know, putting each one, having a timer, keep them close together. So it keeps that team-based environment walking through the middle of the circuit, 
counting everything down, letting people know like you got 10 seconds left, pushing everyone, and then it was good to go. So that's kind of the format of it. And then like DJ said, the cool down was a big part as well, right? I, I'm not a big, I shouldn't say I'm not a big fan of cool downs. Just like for most things, like if you're just doing resistance training and like you finish your last set of bicep curls, like you don't need to really <laughs> cool down, bro. Like you're done. Like go, go yeah. do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, but for this class, like it's intense. You're outside. It's yeah. It's extremely difficult. So like, first off, like, like DJ said, the, the, the breathe down or like, you know, just taking time to like relax because if it's like, Hey, have a good day, grab your stuff. People might go, their heart rates, like pounding, they're grabbing their stuff and they're leaving, especially at that intersection at FAU dude, trying to cross that, that intersection, you know, people are going to be tired and we want to <laughs> take the time to relax, yeah, bring it down and then stretch for that feel good effect, you know, give them more time to relax, get their bearings and just kind of enjoy like the bliss of like, wow, I just did all that hard work at the very end there. Yeah, I completely agree, man. It's it's really special. It's different, and if you're if your place has it, keep it going. Try and make it as good as you can. If they don't have it, you need to have it there. Yes, you do. You In some capacity, it. you need to have it. In some capacity. Do you remember the rule Lindsay would give us back then? No, we weren't we weren't allowed to have too many pieces of equipment. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> So boot camp buggy, uh, man. The boot camp buggy loaded up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we still have it, by the way. We had we had a whole a whole closet, like a long, like I say closet, but it was basically a room full of equipment. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you could take out of that room whatever you wanted. But Lindsay's rule was three pieces of equipment max. <laughs> so you could pick kettlebells, bands, and something else, like, but it couldn't be a fourth thing. Like you had to pick at the most three pieces of extra, three pieces of equipment. And I think that really helped me when it came to like being better on my feet mm-hmm. because when you have a lot of equipment, you just start doing like everything that people normally do with those pieces of equipment. Or it goes to that whole, like just doing things cause it makes it hard. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But when you have less equipment, you have to be a lot more creative. Yes. Like how can I use this band to be as beneficial as possible for so many different exercises? How mm-hmm. can I use this kettlebell for a lot more exercises? Like you start to really think about what you really need, not necessarily, oh, I need this, this, and this, this, and this, because I'm doing these four or five different exercises. No, you can probably do those five exercises with just two pieces of equipment. But- That's a really good point, dude. Cause I think I remember like the transformation that at least I I had towards the end. Cause we always used to share programs all the time and talk about yeah. ideas, which is <laughs> always fun. I don't remember if I got the idea from you or I just started doing it, but the biggest transformation I have in my classes is how I would structure uh, how I split the class up. Cause when I first started, you know, I, I worked with what I know with what I was taught because that's where I'm comfortable is I bring out this equipment. We go through this circuit three times for 30 seconds a piece. That's good enough. Right. But then I started thinking like, Hey, less equipment or how can I be more engaging aside from, okay, Damien's got the same circuit again, or the same order of the circuit. I started cutting my class in half. Mm-hmm. And if someone doesn't have a partner, they can go in threes or I can work with them. So you can always cut the class in half. You can always divide it into three and then just make them do something. Partner runs, you know, make everyone on the ground, do a plank, Uh, have a resistance band and do resistance band runs, have Mm -hmm. one people, one group do suicides, the other group doing jumping jacks and then switch after a cup, after a set amount of time. Right. I started being like, oh, I don't need equipment to do circuits or I don't have to do it where it's four people in groups. 
I can divide it however the heck I want and then have fun and structure it that way. Yeah. And you, you talked about the numbers we would get, but what people don't necessarily know is that there was no sign up for this where we were told in, in so much time advance, like this was a yep, free class. That's right. I forgot. We didn't know how many people were going to come because it was all paper-based. There was weeks where we could have like six people in a class. Mm-hmm. And then, well, like, so I would teach two, two times a week usually. And there'd be a day Tuesday where I'd have six people in that class. And then Thursday I'd have 20 people. Yeah. And so you had to wrap your mind around how can I make this space work for three people and eight people? How yep. can I make this space work for five people and 10 people? Like you had to know how to really make things work, even if you didn't have um, as much equipment, right? Yes. And so that's, that became a big part of how I trained. The last thing I'll say too is before we go on to the topic of teamwork, because I think that's a big part, is learning how to use the environment and what was around me to like enhance the class. So like you can do a lot with a wall. And I learned that, right? You can do uh, medicine ball chest pass. You can do uh, vertical jumps and have them challenge themselves, reach how high they can. You have yeah, parking spaces. Those. You can do toe taps. You can use the um, you know, the handicap sign to anchor resistance bands around. Um, you have you know a fence. You can tie a TRX around it. Like There's a lot. And there was a stairwell, which I used quite a bit too towards the end. And then we would oh, yeah, go up to the top stairwell. and there was that ramp in the parking garage. So like utilizing your environment, like play with the environment because that's what you have at your disposal. Yeah. And I would say that's what set apart our group a little bit more than other groups I've seen is when you have a lack of equipment, but mm-hmm. educated groups and people who still want to be their best and a little bit of a competitive nature with everybody, it fostered this, like, you have to be creative then. Yes. You have to figure out, okay, how do I make my class better than before? Mm-hmm. I just went to Damien's class. Like that was legit. Like <laughs> what am I going to do to make sure that like I'm doing something as good or better than that. Right. Yeah. And it was constant. And so we had to learn, Hey, I need to use this piece to my advantage. It's a handicap sign. Yeah. And I'm going to use it in three different ways. Like, yep. watch. <laughs> and it, we had to get used to it. And I think that helped us because then once you go into a place where you have everything at your disposal, programming just starts to just open up. Yes. Really opens up. There's so I, much I've freedom. seen it where some trainers have had so much that whenever you give them less, they get frozen. Yes. Like, can write amazing programs, but if they don't get that piece of equipment that was next on their list, they don't know what to do. It's like when you have too much on a menu, you don't know what to pick. Cause there's just yeah. so much stuff. It's like, if you limit the things, it's like, Oh, it's easy. I'll pick this choice out of the three. Yep. And yep. yeah, you sometimes people can overthink it all the time, especially in training, especially with these bigger growing facilities, right? Mm-hmm. You have so much, you have so much access. Oh, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to think this through. There is eight leg presses. I can get a leg <laughs> press. There's 300 racks. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I can definitely get a, I can definitely get my squats and deads in like, yeah obviously exaggerations, but at the end of the day, it happens and people kind of get stuck in those slumps when they go to a place that's smaller or they're even at a place that's adequate, but doesn't have, or somebody's on that one piece that they really wanted to use. And that's why I really like bootcamp because it was a definite confidence booster. Cause even now, like I haven't taught a bootcamp style class in a minute, but 
I'm confident I could right now. And it's that if 30 people showed up to my front door right now to do a boot camp style class, I'm confident I could give them a hell of a time, a well-structured program right now and still give energy to 30 people. And like that oh, yeah. as a trainer is like, that's awesome. Like that you can provide that service to people, to that amount of people like that. Yeah. And uh, what's the camp gladiator that like, they're known for that. Mm -hmm. Like they have those huge groups. They do a really good job with making people feel and have a really good workout. It's possible. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Now to the team-based side of things, because I learned the team part of the workout from you. <laughs> Give the people like, first off, what is your favorite team activity that you would do in boot camp? Or maybe if you've gotten a new one since I've talked to you. And then like some examples of other things that you would do as team-based activities. <laughs> um one that I would use is almost like an icebreaker when it was a newer class that I still like was what I call circle jacks, which is just a weird name, but I would put everybody in a circle mm -hmm. and I would explain it like this. Okay, everybody at the circle, as soon as I say go, is doing jumping jacks. We're going to start with one person and that person is going to give me random number of squats, right? Once they finish that, like, let's say it was three squats. Once they finish their three squats, they're going to, they're going to say go and the next person is going to go. And that got the group to like, you have to talk, you're mm -hmm. still moving, you have to watch what people are doing. And it had to go all the way around. And sometimes I would do like, it would be a different exercise or you have to say your name with it. Like it was a way that like I kept everybody together mm -hmm. and nobody was tired because you're all, or, I mean, nobody was bored because you're all doing something. So yeah. starting off the gate, like what's your name, three squats. And then as soon as you're done with your squats, back to your jumping jacks and you're going to get all the way through. Yeah. That was one of my really fun ones that I can say I can still enjoy to this day. Nice. And then what were some like other common ones that were like your, your go-tos, your bread and butters? Uh, man, common ones. Um, I really liked, I, I would do a bear crawl one okay. where one group would have to do the, the, I like to change it up. So I can't say it was always one exercise on the other end, but yeah, one group would have to do. Oh, then there was snake squats too. That was um, one of my. That was I love that one so much. That one was. <laughs> it's a staple, man. Yeah, snake squats was was a popular one that I did a lot. So that one was I would have like usually either one or two groups in the lines. If it was two groups, they would be competing against each other, and they would be have enough space in between the person in front of them that the person that one person could like weave in between them. And mm -hmm. that was like the snake portion of it. While they're weaving through, everybody in the line is holding a squat. Mm -hmm. And so I had a distance that the group had to make it to. And so when I said go, the people in the back would run and weave all the way through and then squat at the top and they would yell go. And then they would just repeat and they would just keep doing that until they crossed the line. That one, I think it's because like the leg fatigue and the, yep. the like agility and quickness that kind and of it was competitive through. as hell, man. People got into it. People got into <laughs> it. I, I loved it. And I was just like, I every now and then I had fun of like instead of yelling go, you have to yell like oh, some random word when you get to the top because that was your team word. So like yeah. people would pick weird things like frog or chicken nugget or something like that. <laughs> and it was fun and competitive at the same time. Um, I would say that one was probably one of the most popular ones I did mm -hmm. too. 
can't believe I almost forgot about Snake Squad. Nah, that was the sta- <laughs> that was the OG man. The Snake yeah. Squad is the OG one. <laughs> but yeah, definitely my favorite one, which I started using later, because yeah. we had the grass and because we had a battle rope. I did tug of war. Yes, yes, tug of war was good. It was so. You I know why? I did tug of war in one of your classes. I think so because it brings back like that childhood element, right? It's like we've all done it when we were kids, and like think like when was the last time you as a co- like this college students or even adults listening to this? When was the last time you played tug of war? Yeah, and how fun that is, and like you know I made sure safety is always first and foremost, right? I don't want anyone getting hurt. I had clear rules. Number one, we're in the grass. So if anyone falls, you know, we're in the grass. Number two, we're spaced out evenly. I would pick, I would either pick teams myself or sometimes I would let them be the captains and pick each other. And I would say like, Hey, I'm going to be the judge. Or if I'm on the team, I'm making sure like I'm watching while I'm pulling. Mm -hmm. As soon as it crosses, we're done. Like that's it. And there's no, like, you know, just, it could be fun, but like, no, like pulling and letting go. Like we're doing it to do it actually. So we don't get hurt and we never had any issues, but People got a kick. It's very simple. Put some tape around the battle rope. Make sure it's in the middle. Set two cones so you can see which line crosses. And then when you just say go and everyone's just running and pulling down it. So that was fun. <laughs> and that tape uh, stayed there for a long time. <laughs> oh, yes, it did. Oh, yes, it did. Um, snake squats are definitely a big one. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, and I did a lot of like, um, you know, Speed King, which is like relay What's race that? competition. So we, we would either do relay races where like, you know, have your team go as fast as you can or speed King is like a tournament of who's the fastest in the group. Okay. So it would just be random assignments. Like, you know, it'd be mid or, uh, middle distance. And it's like three, two, one, go, you win, you get to rest. And then you get to get ready for the next group, split the group in half again, pick someone ready, yeah. go. And hopefully at the end we would get a winner and they'd be the speed King. Um, yeah. that was kind of, those are my go-tos. That's a good one. That's a good one. One of my yeah. favorite thing is always to like be a part of the group fitness or personal training session and like challenge them with you being a part of it. Yes. You have people in there that like actually enjoy that or want to race you or, yes. or use you as their energy to like go faster. Oh, man. oh yeah. And they see that you're, you're part of the, you're part of the group. Like you're in there suffering with them. It's like, Hey, yeah. like I'm, I'm in there with you guys. Don't worry. I'm feeling <laughs> it just as much as you are. Oh, and Indian runs. You taught me, yeah. you taught me how to do those. Right. So like, you know, everyone's in a line, uh, they're spaced out relatively well. We would call, or the person in front would call go. And the person from the back has to sprint to the front, get in front of the line. And we would like kind of have a trail for everyone. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we had the space for it. It was fun. Yes, absolutely. Um, Kind of the last talking point I want to go through. And we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier with, you know, being in campus rec and working with personal trainers and group fitness instructors. That's the mentoring side of the equation, right? It's with campus rec, there's a lot of opportunity for leadership as a young person, right? So even if you're have no job experience, you get into campus rec, you know, you play your cards right, you show that you're interested and care about the development of other people, you may have the opportunity to be in a leadership role, which is very hard to get when you're young. And as we know, you know, there's the joke online all the time, like, hey, I'm looking for this job. Oh, but you need experience. It's like, but I'm trying to get this job to get experience. Campus Rec, you can get that leadership experience where you can't get anywhere else. And part of that is with mentorship. So, DJ, you've had a lot of time, not only as a fitness manager at FAU or as a GA over at Texas A&M or even where you currently are, you've had a lot of mentorship opportunity. What would you say is your favorite part about mentoring students in fitness? 
Man, that's tough. That's tough. DJ um, doesn't usually take this long to answer. That's how you know he's he's thinking. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> that is tough. Man, I my favorite part would probably have to be seeing them succeed. Mm-hmm. Right, seeing whoever I mentored actually like go on to do something good in some shape or form and doesn't always have to be fitness but i think that's probably my favorite part like like even having conversations with you yes i was i was a mentor to you but like we also mentored each other in a lot of different ways right it wasn't just a i gave to you type of relationship we gave to each other and Mm -hmm. so i think being able to build relationships like that and and see like where you've gotten to be like all the people that you've gotten to mentor that means that my time with you meant something and I can continue to do that with a million other people. Like if I can help people help people at the end of the day, I've done my job, right? We all can't help everyone, but we can help some people. And I think if you actually do the effort to help some people, then it just trickles down. And that is beautiful to me. Knowing that you went to Purdue and you were able to, like kind of do the same thing be a ga Mm -hmm. mentor people people are going to call you like oh this is my friend this is the guy that helped me get to this point he's helping me do some of the things that he struggled with that he was mentored that he was mentored in in other areas like that to me like it's it just it's indescribable it's indescribable sorry it's just one of those things where it's it's just hard to really put in words to me it is really special yeah it is i get choked up sometimes thinking about it because I I have a lot of like quote unquote sayings I like to say with personal training, but I think they both go hand in hand with mentoring and with personal training. It's like, you just imagine how great the world could be if everyone had a little bit more freedom with their body, like freedom to move, freedom of health, right? Like if everyone was just a little bit more active, like how much better could the world really be for themselves and for everyone else? Mm-hmm. I kind of like a mentor to the same thing. It's like, if everyone just helps out each other a little bit, mentor to mentor, mentor to mentee, however you want to organize it, just imagine how much better everyone's lives can be because the knowledge you pass to them, they can now pass it on to other people. Mm -hmm. They can pass it on to their clients if they're in the, you know, the fitness side of things. And it just has this amazing, you know, trickle down effect where it's like you work with one, like me and you, right? One interaction. I've talked about this before. You interact with one person, people are like, oh, that's just one individual. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because DJ was just at a GA position where he had 100 people under him. Mm-hmm. And I just had a GA position where I had 100 people under him. And they probably all know 100 people. Mm-hmm. And then with social media, <laughs> it, it's it's infinite. The amount yeah. of people, I talked about this with Elias in my first podcast, it's like, Assume you know you'll know a thousand people to a small capacity sometime in your life. That's easy. I guarantee you, DJ, I've already met and had a decent interaction with over a thousand people already. Mm-hmm. So if there's a thousand people between the two of us, a thousand squared, if I'm doing my math correct, I hope I am, a thousand squared is a million. Yeah. So that means between the two of us and all our connections and the connections of those connections, the two of us can interact with up to a million people. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. That is literally insane. And people think like you're small, your interaction doesn't matter. It really, really does for 
everyone around you and you can yeah. make everything so much more better for everyone. If you guess, I mean, you know, help people. We can talk about it from a, a very micro level to make be really personal about it. Right. How many times you personally have you had a client come back to you and either want you to train their family member or friend, or they then went on and gave advice to their family or friend because of your advice. Countless. Exactly. Right. On a very micro level, that's again, one-to-one, right? Yeah. You helped one person who then helped somebody else, right? Somebody who was dealing with some sort of body issue, somebody who had no clue what fitness really is mm-hmm. uh, or who had a bad training experience. Like we talked about in the beginning and thought all personal trainers sucked. Then they, their sister met you yep. and they're like, nah, Damien's legit. Like, I think you should try this out again. If you can try out Damien, right? Yeah. Now that starts to help this all blossom and open up just a little bit more. And that's just on a micro level. That's one client to one other person. Yeah. Like you were mentioning, we've trained a lot more than just one client. We, we've been there and we've been able to help a lot more than just the people that we were in that face-to-face interaction with. And so, yeah, it's, it sounds crazy when you hear those big numbers. But if you think about how how powerful and impactful that really is, you're changing somebody's life indirectly because you helped change that one person's life. Yes. And I think that's the key part about mentorship is, yes, like I benefit tremendously from getting to just there's the self-satisfaction that, you know, can't get over. And like you do, le- you learn from your mentee quite a bit because they'll show you things you've never learned before either. But being a mentor is about, you know, selflessly wanting to help people and dj and i dj didn't offer help to me because he got paid extra hours or because he got some benefit from it or he got a scholarship for it he did it because he wanted to genuinely help someone to you know not to get philosophical but to make the world a better place in some regard or you know (laughs) make life and fitness better hopefully for the community or for the culture of what we represent when it comes to fitness and so by participating in mentorship i think you can you know, just know that your reach can be unlimited and it, it will be worth it if you truly do it for selfless reasons and you put in the time and energy into it. Yeah. All right. DJ, all so you say, so you, so you don't start crying. We can, we can move on if we need to. I know it's getting, I know it's getting touchy over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I think all trainers, all instructors, all coaches need to hear that. No, I couldn't agree more. Now from a mentor side, because you've seen a lot of themes and patterns and different people as personal trainers, as group fitness instructors, what are some pieces of advice you would give for up and coming or just starting out personal trainers and group fitness instructors? What are those couple of pieces of advice you give? Very simple. Do it sooner. Like to put it very plainly, if you have the idea, if you have the inkling that you want to do it, do it sooner. Like there's, there's too many times, honestly, like talking about me personally, there's too mm-hmm. many times where I didn't do it as soon as I should have done it. Strictly talking about personal training, group fitness, the, the fitness realm, right? Um, luckily, I had good mentors. Luckily, like I, I spent the time to really try and get my craft better but I still could be better today if I would have did some things sooner. That's just, it's very simple to me. So 
if you are the person who has never worked out before and you really want to work out, do it. Then you're going to be like, man, I should have did this sooner, right? Mm -hmm. If you have never found a mentor in fitness, do it. Mm-hmm. Talk to some people, find somebody, somebody knows somebody who's going to be able to help you out. If you think you're a personal trainer and you don't like group fitness, but somebody told you you should, do it. Like if you haven't got an internship, do it. Like if you, if there's so much stuff in fitness that people need to do sooner. Be, <laughs> once we get older, we want to get so established and we want to kind of settle down. Like I have a wife and child at this point. Like I'm not doing a lot of extras at this point. There's a little bit more stuff that I still have on my plate outside of campus rec, but I'm not experimenting a lot at this point. There, if you're going to, if that's your future, like if your future is going to happen as kind of as quickly as mine did, you need to do other things sooner. Yeah. And if you want to gain experience faster, you need to do other things sooner. Just got to do it. You kind of had to just, you know, you just had to grow up, DJ, because it's like, I got a kid. I got the job. I got the dog. It's like, you got to grow up. Like that's how and you were already yeah. mature as it was, but it's like, you know, imagine if like people take the time, like, you know, eliminating that doubt of like, uh, maybe I'm, this isn't for me or I'm too young or I don't know enough. It's like, you're never going to know enough. Yeah. You're never going to be ready. Right. Going yeah. like just an example of having a kid, like people say like, and I, I say this too sometimes admittedly, but it's like, Oh, I want to make it all more secure. It's like, yes, there's times where you're more secure, but it's like, you'll never be ready. You'll never be ready. So yeah. you might as well do it. My parents had that conversation with me and they were talking to us, me and my wife telling us like, it's never going to be as perfect as you think it is. No. And after, after having McKenna and what we had to go through, I can clearly see that now. I couldn't see it that clearly then. I, I kind of understood, um, but I couldn't see it the way I see it now. But I went through it. We, we had a kid before I graduated, before I had a full-time job. Um, and the support we had from all of the people, like our family especially, and then everybody at Texas A&M really pitched in to help us out a lot more than you would you would think somebody would, right? That's awesome. And then we had some of the friends from back at FAU who were still calling us, like helping us out in whatever way they could. Uh, we had the little um, baby registry that was through Amazon and people could just do like a diaper fund and they were giving like sometimes a dollar, five dollars. That helped. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, I know that if there, there is like no perfect time, honestly, with all of this. And so yeah. just like you're saying, if you just, if you understand that and you really live your life, understanding that like, Oh, I'm not going to be super secure or as secure as I thought I was going to be. If things get a lot easier and you might honestly be more secure a lot quicker <laughs> Yeah, because you tried it, you understand like, Oh, this works. This doesn't work. Um, but to stick with fitness, there, there was a lot of times for me again where I just I should have did it a little bit quicker. And thankfully, like I did have my wife girlfriend at the time, who every now and then would be like, "DJ, just do it, right?" <laughs> but what are you waiting on? Like going into uh, Juan Carlos Santana's first class is how I was able to like get that certification. That was her at the time saying, "Like, yeah, sounds like a fun class. You should just sign up for it." And I was like looking at my schedule and I was like, I don't know if like 
this is going to be a credit that's going to matter that much. Maybe I should take something that's a little bit more important. And to come to find out, he didn't teach any other classes after that semester. The connections I got from there gave me my base certification. It gave me a connection with somebody who also ended up being, who also worked at the same grocery store that I worked at and was also in fitness working for JC. And (laughs) him telling me about the symposium that was going on at FAU. And then me going to FAU, meeting Joe Drake, having that conversation with him. That then turning into me asking for the job at that point, getting the job being hired on. And it just took off from that point. And that was just like perfect time. If I would have waited to do that, yep. this, me getting into campus work probably still would have happened, but it would have happened a lot later. Mm-hmm. I probably would not have been a fitness manager because it, it just would have, the application probably would have been a lot later or it would have been like for a semester for me. And so being able to be in the position that I was in and doing something sooner um, allowed me to get where I was. And then on the other side of that, where it was like, I, I had opportunities to help out with other research programs a couple of times, but because I was like worried about, Oh, can I still take on this? I'm still doing fitness and I'm doing this. And I got this job. Like, I, I didn't focus on it enough. And then when I was doing everything and I had a client that was in research and she was like, I want you to be the trainer for this. I went ahead and did it. <laughs> and it was an amazing, really growth filled experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was like, how many more of those could I have had and how long could I have been working with this client or maybe even training this client earlier? Like mm-hmm. so many other pieces. If I just would have did this opportunity, I knew about a year and a half before I did it. Yeah. Right. Um, so stuff like that, like there's times where it's worked out, there's times where it hasn't. And I would say, if you just do it sooner, you'll be fine. DJ, I just want to say thank you for doing the unpaid sponsorship of talking about the shift methods. Uh, you know, kind of the thing that I live by, which is taking action. Yeah. It's something that I learned. And then, you know, if you know, my podcast and my theme and what the shift method stands for, my tagline is do the damn thing. (laughs) that means yes it's important to plan yeah right we don't want to just recklessly do stuff like oh i'm just gonna you know go buy a car tomorrow it's like well you know do your research first right um you have to plan you want to think it through but at the end of the day if you don't do something your plan is worthless i'm not saying that to be harsh or mean or that your considerations and your meticulous planning isn't important but if you don't take action, man, you aren't going anywhere. And guess what? The guy who had a haphazard plan and is taking action and learning along the way, the girl who's putting in the hours to get better and to get the experience and to change things on the fly, they're the ones who are getting ahead. They're the ones that are learning and figuring it out. Oh, yeah. Take action. Do not wait. Make a plan. Pick the best one at the time. Run with it and adjust as you need to. That's how you do it. Yeah. Some other tips that I, this is like kind of my favorite one right now. This is primarily for personal trainers, but also goes for group fitness instructors as well, because they have a a good connect. Group fitness instructors have an amazing connection with their participants and like, you know, conversations before and after class. And with personal trainers, this is usually in the assessment portion, we're talking about goals and that's learning how to be truthful and kind at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
me and DJ joke about it all the time. It's like, you know, bad fitness professionals, they can come up to you and say, you know, like you appear to be obese, which means you're more likely to die of cardiovascular disease. And therefore you need to participate in exercise. Now, was anything I said a lie? No, but we're not robots. Like that doesn't, that person, if, if you're lucky, that person hopefully doesn't develop an eating disorder after that conversation, you know? And I don't say that to to be joking. I'm saying that in all seriousness, like our language is very powerful, especially when it comes from people like us that have positions of power, like, you know, that have health and fitness backgrounds. So how do you convey truth in a manner that doesn't cut people down? Because first off, let's start on the other side. You don't want to lie, right? You don't want to not tell people the truth because one lying can be harmful to the person, right? If, If we just tell everyone like, Oh, you're fine. Don't need to worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. It's like, well, why come to training and why try to benefit yourself and your health and your long-term, you know, quality of life and whatnot. So you don't want to lie, but also just purely telling the truth, just saying, well, you know, everyone's like facts don't care about feelings. It's like, no, but feelings are receptive to facts. So if you don't take the time to explain and be compassionate, understanding and empathetic to the human being that's in front of you, you're going to lose them. And they're not going to make change. And at the end of the day, your job isn't to be right. You can pat your ego, sure, because you told them a fact that you learned in your ACSM textbook. Sure. Is that what you want? No, your job is to hopefully help that person find ways to create healthy behaviors that's going to help them change their own life for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's your job. Yep. The other thing I would say is be an open-minded skeptic. Meaning... (laughs) Soak up everything you can like a sponge. Read things that you maybe disagree with. Learn from everyone, everything, and be respectful to your mentors, to the people that came before you. We, you know, in every class in college, you read about, you know, the people who came before you and how they made these tests and how they started out in science. It's like, and we laugh because like, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Be respectful of those, even if you have disagreeing views with them when it comes to fitness but also be skeptical and challenge things because we want to make sure that we're all having a collective respectful conversation about what is the best for our clients. And if we all start from that place, you know, DJ and I have pretty similar beliefs on things. Just that's just how it is. But if we disagree on someone, which we do occasionally, we talk it out from a place of respect because at the end of the day, I know DJ's goal is to help people. It's not to make money or for fame or whatever. It's because he wants to help his clients. And if DJ knows something I don't, and I can learn from him or vice versa, and we can discuss it and maybe figure it out. That's going to help our people. I'm willing to let my ego go to learn and maybe to find something out that I didn't know before. Yeah, I I would echo that and say in the fitness world, especially with how like specialized and sometimes how generalized people are making some things that are and should be very specific. We're getting into this world where people just don't know what they don't know but they think they know exactly what they're talking about and it's sad because they're messing up some of our future trainers like some of the people Mm -hmm. are going to come through our programs and and we have to not only get rid of all the family things that they've been told all their lives that aren't true but now we have to get rid of what somebody told him who they have a lot of respect for in the field Yes, and that's very right, sorry, difficult. 
Yeah, the, the science doesn't support it, or it's just not the right application for it. Correct. And oftentimes that's really the case. Like there's one friend that I, I mentor right now, and we talk a lot about personal training and fitness, and he'll send me a video and he'd be like, yo, educate me real quick. What's going on with this? <laughs> it'll be somebody giving a cue. And I'm like, yes, that works out in this specific instance. Mm-hmm. But to say that that's the cue is just stupid. Like, and these yeah. are the reasons why. For this person, for this person, for this person, it does not work. And it sometimes it may work, but it's not even important for them. So yeah, basically all I have to say, you do need to have that relationship with people where you can talk, you can actually debate. And, and I mean that in the purest form of it. Like you can have opposing views, mm-hmm. state both of your views and be able to see, am I missing something? Or do I have something, but I'm also, I also need to add this to what I already have. Yes. I'm not wrong in that sense, but hey, this he's also right too. So I, I need to put this into my mind to make sure that I can make sure that I have this ready for when I have a client that fits what he's talking about. Yeah, right? there's there's a lot of gray areas when it comes to programming and working with people in general is, is a gray area. Yes, it's an art and a science at the same time. Um, what I what I like to tell my students when I either, you know, students that are personal trainers or group fitness instructors, uh, or specifically, I usually say this in the prep course, I usually say two things. Versus my job isn't to teach you um, the facts or to teach you what to think. It's how to think. Meaning it's like, I'm hopefully going to give you some tools along with what college should prepare you for. And that's critical thinking, right? So like, here's some established facts that we know pretty well. Here's like the gray area wiggle rooms. And like, here's how you as a trainer can kind of go in your toolbox and think critically and apply it based on the situation. There's no three by, you know, three sets, 10 reps rest this long for this specific client. Like there's definitely standards that help, but there's a lot of wiggle room, man. There's definitely better ways to do it, but there's so much room for interpretation. And that's a very tough thing to teach. Right now in my course, uh, the theme is, this is what you need to know to pass the exam. That's exactly what what I said. This is what you need to know to train my clients. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, ace, exam, take notes. Okay, scratch that. Here's where... (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the other thing I always tell them, and I probably said it a few times here, one of my favorite quotes is the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know. And that quote is from Albert Einstein. So if one of the smartest men who are smartest people in general, who's ever lived said that, and that's where I find myself. And that's how I think I know I'm in the right place. It's like, yeah, you know, I was never a hot head ego person, but definitely as I was graduating undergrad, I felt like I like, oh, I know programming down pat. I know postural deviations down pat, but my mindset on a lot of different topics and training has changed quite substantially. And my answers have gone from, well, it's got to be this way, or these are the parameters you need to like, well, it depends. And here's what the research says, but there's some wiggle room or there's some gray areas we don't know yet. Like there's a lot of those answers now. And I'm okay with that. It's getting comfortable yeah. with the uncertainty of where we are. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like to point out about that for the people who are like really into their research studies and things, I like to point out if the, if it's detailed enough and if you can get the information, who was the person or people who did everything right, showed up all the right times for the study, ate whatever they were supposed to, and it didn't work for them. There are outliers who did everything right. And so 
what are you going to do for that outlier? Are you still going to make sure they're doing the general thing? No, the general is for the general public. If it's not working for them, then you probably need to change it. I love like, that you said that, dude, because you're right. Like there are out like there are outliers in studies, which means that there's a chance when you coach, you might come across an outlier, which means that your programming may not or your style or your coaching approach isn't going to work for them because they're an outlier. And you need to know like, yeah, well, this doesn't work. Let's do something else. That goes with your whole open mind. Like, if you are so stuck in your programming because, like, no, I'm good at this. It can't be me. It's you. <laughs> you're not going to succeed, man. And nope. that client's not really going to succeed. And you, I, I shouldn't say you're not going to succeed because, again, for that general population, you'll probably do pretty well. But when it comes for the people who are having those outlier issues, you're probably not going to be able to figure it out because you're just so stuck on, oh, I'm too good at this it yep. to, for it to be me. It has to be something you're doing. Yes. Do clients mess up all the time? Yeah, all the time. Mm-hmm. However, there are some times where it's like, ah, that should have worked. Why isn't this working? Let me try this out. Oh, that works better. Hey, I'm going to keep that going then. Yep. Yep. And that goes to like the last thing I'll say. And DJ, if you want to add any other points, please let me know is that um, for group fitness instructors and personal trainers is being, you know, learn how to be adaptable, learn how to adapt on the fly. Personal training side, it's, it's 5 p.m., Every piece of equipment you want to uh, use is taken and you got to you know start your program from scratch or your client comes in and they're like, man, I'm having a crappy day. Like I'm just not feeling too good, but I want to train regardless. Scrap the program. Or like we said with boot camps, we got to plan for three people or 25 people. And maybe we have to adjust on the fly because it rains. And now we have to go inside and go in a small studio and do our class the same way. Those are always fun classes. Those are always <laughs> fun, man. Or with COVID, like how do we adjust? How do we adapt? So having that quality, if you can be, you know, learn how to adapt as best as possible and just roll with the punches is another great quality to have. Yep. Um, And then I'll just add this last little bit to it. If you are a group fitness instructor, try and become a personal trainer. If you are a personal trainer, try and become a group fitness instructor. (laughs) And I say that because there are things that you can gain from both of them that help you on both sides. Very quick. Two small things, group fitness instructors tend to have a lot more energy and know how to turn it on a lot better than personal trainers. However, personal trainers tend to have a lot more technical and proper cues whenever they see something happen. Mm -hmm. The issue is, though, some trainers, when they get into that class, they want to spend too long on that issue. And on vice versa, when the group fitness instructor comes over to the client, they don't spend enough time on that issue. Yes. So learning how to have really good, effective, proper cues is one of the major things you start to get out of switching between the two. Yeah. And the sad part is a lot of personal trainers want to go into coaching of some sort. And it's like, that's group fitness. That's group fitness, bro. <laughs> Straight the conditioning is group fitness. You're with like 40 plus people. <laughs> Yeah, you're, you want to do group fitness. Like, exactly. To yourself. But <laughs> they, it's hard for them to manage. And I think some of them, especially for the guys, they get caught up in like, oh, but I don't want to like teach like her. It's like, you don't have to be her though. No. You should learn from her because she's doing some things really well. Mm-hmm. But just because you don't want to be like, oh, Gideon, like, oh, everybody's like, you don't have to be that person. No. But there's so much to learn. And I would say it's usually the personal trainers to the group fitness instructors that have the hardest issue because they're mm-hmm. just, it, they're so stuck in their own ways. Um, but there is benefits in both. Do both sides. 
Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. I, I would highly encourage that because yeah, that's that's so funny. It's like, yeah, if you want to go into anything strength and conditioning wise, like that's group <laughs> fitness, man. So get used to being in and even personal training, you can do small group training. So like get comfortable working with more than three people mm-hmm. at a time because there's a yep. good chance in your job you're going to experience that. Yeah. Can you control a room with five people in it and make sure they're all getting a good workout? No. Can you well, run a meeting with a team if you want to be a leader? Can you organize and have, you know, dialogue with multiple people? It's a good skill to have. Yeah. Do you know how to get people's attention? Yes. Like when they're, when they're not paying for your single undivided attention, like mm-hmm. it's clear to me, but we've both gone through it. We've both seen the benefits yep. and I just had to say it because there's people who are still hesitant. Do it. Couldn't agree more, man. <laughs> Last thing. Got to ask you. This is a deep one. Now we've had a bunch of deep conversations. This is a really good one. How have you changed as a mentor slash leader when it comes to fitness and training over time? Yeah, that's good. Um, I say first off, I know we talked a lot about us being mentors. And I want to say, like, I have not done an amazing job, a good job with every person I've mentored. There have been times where I did not set enough time for somebody. I did not, not notice exactly what they needed. And I did fail them in that sense. And so just because like I have had success in mentoring people, just because I've had had good conversations and have made a positive impact, that does not mean that it has only been good. I try my best for it to be, but it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say how I've changed is understanding my load and what I can really take on and trying to be more effective in my communication. And with those two pieces, if those are at their peak, then I have just learned to be more open to what that person is saying. Mm -hmm. So especially in like, I would say probably one of the, probably one of the worst times, which sounds counterintuitive, would probably be one of my last semesters at FAU because I was doing too much and still trying to give people time. And I I had to let go of some things that I didn't prepare enough people to really let go of. Luckily they still had you so they could come to you for a lot of those things. But for the people who were looking to me for some of those things, I didn't have the time because I was just spreading myself way too thin. Mm -hmm. And I would say, understanding what my load is like, can I help this person or do I need to give them to somebody else? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they really saying to me? Like, what aren't they getting Yeah. now? How can I help them understand how to do this and not do it like DJ does, but make sure you do it the way Damien does it best. Right. You need to have a really purposeful environment in this class, Damien, but you don't need to do it like DJ does. Mm-hmm. Right. Like those type of conversations, I had to learn to really sit down a little bit longer and really hear what the person was saying and what they needed, because sometimes it, it was something that I was just missing and or I didn't explain it well enough or I took on too much and I just couldn't get to them as soon as I should have. So then they made a mistake and now they have less confidence in themselves and they're also like still waiting for my response. Yeah. Right? So. 
that's kind of how I've changed. I know it's a longer answer than what you were expecting. No, probably. no, that was good context, but, man. But those three things I think were the biggest piece. My time, how much can I take? What are they saying? And how do I say what I need to say the best and most effective way? We need to get some context here. Okay, lay down the law. <laughs> when DJ's talking about, you know, people want to come to him for help and how he may have not been available because he was doing so much. This is a knock on him. This is, you know, this is true. He was spread. To say he was spread thin is, you know, that doesn't do it justice with all the things going on. GA position, finishing up major, finishing up his internship, which was like 20, 30 hours a week, plus working full time, plus living on his own with his fiance, plus having a dog. And I'm not even mentioning everything, but you're getting the picture, right? And then also being a mentor to a staff of 40. Like, that's a lot. So no one took offense to DJ's slight. He thinks it's a lot. It wasn't to his slight, like, Hey, I'm a little bit more busy than I usually am. So, and I, I'm going to joke with him for a little bit right here. This is, this is funny. I'll never forget because DJ and I are very similar temperamentally. We have, we have similar personality, but I'd say we're both grounded, but the way you can tell the way I talk, I'm a little bit more animated. I'm a little bit more, my ideas flow more. DJ's a lot more grounded in some regards, right? I can be grounded pretty much, but DJ is very grounded and like practical. Here's where we're going. I'll never forget I when I knew DJ was stressed and I knew I could help him out a little bit because DJ always is very sharp. Here's where we're going. Never forget anything. I kept remember we would like go places and you were like, forget your keys. And you're like, I never forget my keys. Like, how do I not have my keys on me? And I'm like, dude, you got way too much on your plate, man. Like you're like, you're like, I know I put it in my pocket. He explained, he's like, I put it in my pocket exactly like this. I have a system. I'm like, get a system of how you put your keys in your pocket. <laughs> Typical DJ, whatever. Yeah. It's like, and they're not there. And I'm like, they're probably at the wreck. It's okay. That's how I knew he was definitely like <laughs> too much is going on. But the reason why, you know, DJ set a standard and like to this day, we're in 2021 DJ left in 2018 his name still rings on a consistent basis because I'm now working at the rec center as a pro staff. His name still is uttered consistently at the rec in nothing but positive ways. That's the impact really? that he left. Yes. That's the impact that he's left at the rec center. People who don't even know him. Wow. It's as if they know him and never met him. That's the reputation that he's built. If you can believe that. I hear clients, no, I, still clients who are there. Mark, like people don't know who this is. Not HIPAA. Mark knows your name. I saw Mark the other day for an evaluation. He knows your name. He's like, oh, how's he doing? He knows you. That's the reputation wow. DJ built. So when it seems like, you know, too much, hard to give attention, and that he's learned and grown for that and learned how to make sure he carves out time for himself. So that way he can be the most available. And of course, adjusting to how people are. But that was the whole situation there. Had to provide some context. I would say I got you, man. Come on now. How have I changed as a mentor over time? Yeah, let's hear it, Damien. I would say I know. I'm gonna give it to him. Don't you worry now. Don't you worry, man. I got you. I would say I'll put it in one word and then I'll elaborate is is delegation. When I say delegation, I don't mean it in the pure sense. What I mean is I'm a doer. DJ and I can, we're similar in the sense that we can handle a lot of stress physically and psychologically. Like 
we can do classes minor this that and be fine and and handle it and flow with it and work our jobs and, and develop things and do other stuff the problem is if i do and i was realizing this and i that, that's why i changed if i do everything for everyone because i can do it people will not benefit from that if i'm constantly doing your work if i'm constantly writing the program if i'm constantly giving you guys all the information and everything and telling you all the answers well then what are you learning so and the reason why i wouldn't delegate or maybe you know give more responsibility at times because i'm like well maybe that's just me being lazy and not like you know i'm i'm not i don't want to do this work so i'm just giving it to you right then i realized like no like this is an opportunity for me to give people some empowerment give them the opportunity to me and i always quote, quote, Lindsay, it's like asking people, what do you think? Or how do you think this should be done? Or here's a little side project for you. Give them some autonomy, give them some opportunity to develop themselves and then use me as a guide, right? My knowledge, my expertise, my experience can be used as a reference, but it shouldn't be that I'm doing everything for the person. Cause then that takes away their chance to grow as a person. I've learned like, here's like a starting point. Here's some general information run with it. And then let's check in, you know, every now and again and see how you've used that knowledge to benefit yourself. Cause I mean, just doing everything for everyone. One that takes up a lot of my time and my bandwidth, I can handle it, but then I can't focus on other projects. So I'm stuck doing certain work for certain people and then they don't get to benefit from their own achievement. So that's definitely something that I've changed over time as a mentor. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, People need to hear it. And to just talk about that, the laziness part, right, real quickly. Sometimes, yes, it can be lazy to just to do it on your own. But it, it goes both ways. So there, there are times where you're going to give it. Not, there are times where you're going to give it to somebody to be lazy. But there's other times where you're giving it to somebody and you know you have to put a lot of work in them to really get them to where it would be acceptable for you. Mm -hmm. That is delegation, but it's not laziness. It's actually putting a lot more on your plate. Yes. Now, hopefully you get some return from that. But I mean, even talking about the positions we're in, we're giving this stuff to students. So it's repeated constantly. We're giving this stuff to people who are coming into these higher student lead positions. They're in and out. So as soon as they're gone, we're then reteaching and then doing a lot of this stuff over and over again. Yep. Um, So I would say sometimes, yeah, some people do give stuff to other people in laziness. However, delegation is not always laziness. Sometimes there is a lot of work that goes into it and it's more work or can be more work than just doing it yourself. I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. And I think that's a good way to end the podcast, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, for sure. So thanks, man. It's good seeing you. Really appreciate you being on. Where can the people find you if they want to find you on social? Um, right now, I've expanded a little bit. So the vicarious, no, at the underscore vicarious view. And on Instagram is where you can That's find That's who there. that is who just followed me the other day. Okay. I was like, who the heck is this? Now I know. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Um, it started off with YouTube. So if you just look up vicarious view, You'll be able to find me there. I have some content there. 
we didn't get into all the COVID stuff that happened, but I got kind of stalled a little bit, but everything's coming back now that I'm getting a little bit more situated with the job. So the whole purpose behind the vicarious view is I lived it so you don't have to. Um, I want to talk about my experiences and things that I've gone through and kind of help trainers, new clients, somebody who's new to working out, understand like there are some things that you need to know before you get into this. And hopefully I, since I already made the mistakes or already lived some of these mistakes, you won't have to make those same mistakes. And so that's the purpose behind the content there. And again, on YouTube, it's just vicarious view. And on Instagram, it's at underscore, no, at the underscore vicarious view. Love it. I'll be sure to put that link in the description for YouTube and Spotify. Everyone, you know where to find me. Instagram at the underscore shift underscore method. Post almost daily, great content, uh, good educational stuff, and just fun and exciting stuff for y'all to view. Again, you can always check out the website if you want to get a shirt, you want to get mask. Again, the mask $1 donation goes to charities for uh, children in America who are struggling with food. So if you would like to support that effort, we'd love to have it. Uh, again, that is the shiftmethod.org. We also have uh, programming, personal training, uh, buddy training, any kind of service that you might be interested in, check that out there. Or if you just want to read some of the blog posts that we got up there, the third one should be coming out soon. Again, the shiftmethod.org and handle is at the underscore shift underscore method. DJ, that's it, brother. It was good seeing you, man. Good talking to you, man, as always. <laughs> you have a wonderful night, all right? You too. Oh, and Ashley says hi. <laughs> Tell her I say hi as well. Later, everyone.